Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Streetside Brewery. Look, they are located in Columbia, Tusculum, an awesome little neighborhood on the east side of Cincinnati. And Streetside Brewery is just the perfect mixture of local watering hole and modern craft beer brewery. They have 24 beers on tap, and I am very happy to tell you that I have yet to have a bad one yet from these guys. Check them out on Tuesday nights in particular. They do a pint night with limited edition glassware. That gets you a buck off your refills all night on pint nights. They also have a ton of different events. Go check them out on their calendar. There's one on February 22nd in particular you should check out. So check out their calendar on their social media platforms, on their website, tons and tons of really, really cool stuff there. But as a special note to Postcast listeners, if you mention the Cincy Postcast at the bar, they're going to take a buck off of your beer. It lets you know that we sent you their way and lets them know that it was maybe worthwhile throwing us a couple of bucks to sponsor this podcast. Hey, uh, you can find them at 4003 Eastern Avenue or in the fridge of wherever you are picking up your next beer. Again, a huge thank you to Streetside Brewery for sponsoring the postcast. And on today's episode, we've got a big, big, big episode for you. In part one, we are talking FC Cincinnati transfer news. What didn't happen with Alvaro Barrial and what did probably happen with trialist number two this preseason. We also discuss Miami's worldwide tour that maybe didn't go the way they were thinking. In part two, we are joined by Travis Grimes, FCC rumor monger and podcast host of You Ain't Lion came by. Great conversation with Travis. This was a lot of fun. If you just want to hear some folks talk little FCC, little FCC history as well, looking a little further back in MLS. Then in part three, we get into some listener questions. So you put all that together, you got yourself a postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, I am joined by two gentlemen that will both be at Streetside Brewery on February 22nd from somewhere between the hours of 7 and let's go ahead and bank on 11 p.m. Our alibis are in. Chief, what crime are you going to go out and commit? White collar crime? I don't know. I always like that. little light embezzlement. <laughs> No, my question is, have we confirmed Grayson won't be at an undisclosed location skiing for this event? Because it feels like he is frequently in a snowy locale whenever we want to plan to meet up to do something. This is a great question. Well, if I'm at a snowy locale, it's because it's snowing in Cincinnati. Because hey. I will be at Streetside <laughs> Brewing. Maybe a special guest will be there. Oh, oh, we, I... I, I we got, you know, maybe maybe somebody else who's been on the podcast will be there, but oh, I don't I want to were... say anybody because we can't make any promises. I thought you were I thought you were talking about Opie. I thought we were going to get a special guest appearance from Opie <laughs> at this show. Oh, I would be I would be disappointed if we didn't have Opie there in some form, but I don't control Opie. 
<laughs> and I am a little worried that we'll have a Larry David situation on our hands <laughs> if Opie I mean, shows up. But they're serving booze. I mean, Opie looks like a guy that could use a drink. I don't know. Opie, Opie serving bar uh, for this event should be just perfect for us. Uh, now, having, having spoke to Opie's handler, I believe we have been promised... At least his head, which is a very creepy promise. Morbid. <laughs> no, we, we, I am willing I've been to... promised head before and <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless been disappointed. <laughs> from, from, from Opie though? <laughs> that's, no, I no, think... no, I would say not from, not from Opie. That's, uh, that's from, that's Frosty's. Business is that reason. No, I'm gonna go ahead and promise it right now. Opie will be present at the street side event on February 22nd. So yes, Opie, if you're listening, I am committing you to this event. You have to be there now. Yes, I uh, and you, I, listener, might also end up being Opie. It's who knows. Maybe a Opie. being John Malkovich situation. <laughs> Opie could be any one of us. We will certainly enlist people. Uh, I, I have already received uh, this question uh, from two different people, which is, why did we pick that day and that late? Uh, to which I say, there is an, <coughs> an FC Cincinnati game that night, folks. That is what this is all about and building around. This is the season opener. For FC Cincinnati, they open on the road at Cavalier. Uh, Our first CONCACAF Champions Cup game. How could you not know that this is? Come on. Do your research. Also, look, is seven late? I I don't know. You you asked Mrs. Chief. Yeah, that's a that's a commitment (laughs) to be out that late on a weeknight. The game. The game is at nine. The game is. So if you want to ask, why'd you pick that day and that late? Send your question to CONCACAF. Seven, not that seven, bad. not that bad. Folks. You can't, you can't come for the pre-show, <laughs> and then go get in, get in bed and 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 light a candle and put on Grace and Frankie. <laughs> you old, <laughs> old person. Seven o'clock's great because if you're any earlier, it's well, that's just way too close to to quitting time. Come on now, you're you're button right up into my commute. That doesn't work either. And also, before seven, you don't need the beer discount. No, it's no. happy hour. Come right. on now, yeah, we're doing you a favor here. So the least you can do is show up and support all twelve of you. Yeah. Also, nobody is stopping you from going to street side earlier. That is nobody true. is stopping you. Please, please support them. That would be yeah. really nice for and us. Even though the beer, even though it is happy hour. And the discount doesn't do anything. You should still say, I was told to say uh, the post Cincy in the postcast to get a discount on my beer. Just be prepared for disappointment when they tell you everyone gets the discount right now. You're not special. Yeah. Remember, somebody told me there is a postcast and I if and if I say it, I get one dollar off of my beer. I'm trying to match the cadence of that song and I just haven't haven't nailed it. When it comes to songs, also, I can't help but notice that both of you ignored the absolute genius that came about last night when I was drinking of reworking Opie into the main musical number of the producers. (laughs) I got nothing on that from you guys. Buddy, I was watching past lives. (laughs) I, I, you're telling, like, I'm having a deeply emotional personal experience and you're sending me. 
parody lyrics about our podcast? Come on. <laughs> Whatever. Some people don't appreciate art, I guess. <laughs> I it, it sent me down such a long rabbit hole in my own mind. I just never got back around to the text message, which it did. It did actually lead me to this thought, which is the producers are probably the reason why we are getting this new like movie to musical back to movie transition i'm pretty sure the producers is the first one to do this chicago so mm. is it so mean girls is no wait shit yeah, mean, mean Girls was a movie that became mean, a musical, and now there's a movie of the musical of the of musical. Mean Girls. And The Color Purple has done this recently. Yeah, Little Shop is like kind of the original. That's true, that's true. Uh, Sweet Charity. Um, this is not a great way to start the episode if we're trying to build <laughs> on the trend of each of the last couple weeks being our highest download number. No, we're going. We're going in deep. We're on giving you what film you knew you were getting. To film. You knew what you were getting into when you clicked download, folks. Yeah, color purple. Yep, yep. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, I don't really know how the live show is going to go. It may be a lot of this. Uh, so by all means, show up. Uh, we'll we'll find some way to do some some version of audience participation so if you well, that's good because i promised one of my uh, one of my wife's friends who is very deep into musical theater that no question topic is off limits and so grayson you got a lot of questions coming your way to show <laughs> Look, that don't have anything to do with soccer if you want me to just list plays for an hour you'll know who you, i look i saw <laughs> uh, i saw talk radio with Liev schreiber on Broadway, and I was sitting in front of Jessica Walters, who played the mom on Arrested Development. Wow. Right? And I looked at her, and I said, were you the... And she's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just so dismissive. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, I have seen two different plays with Sam Rockwell in the audience. That's great. All right. So we can we can do this all day. Actually, Grayson listing plays for an hour might be Patreon content. Just if you get if you get a free hour in your life, Grayson, I mean, just that, start going to town probably, on it. Probably, probably, Park. probably better content than we produce on a weekly basis. So Killer Joe. <laughs> Teenage Dick. That was one. You should do half of these real and half of these fake and people have to figure out which is which. Because <laughs> I would have lost, lost on that one. <laughs> I, I was listening to, nah, never mind. Let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> Mario, what? Wouldn't, wouldn't you know it? There was some soccer that happened this past week. I guess we should talk about it. Um I guess these do go hand in hand. Unfortunately, it's it's going to be impossible to talk about one of these. I, I say unfortunately, this is a very good thing I think for our favorite soccer team. Now, for the club, maybe it's a different conversation. But the team, this is a positive development. I'm choosing to believe Alvaro Barrio was not 
sold to another team during the European transfer window, the winter window or the secondary European window, however you want to view this. Um, he is still an FC Cincinnati player. As we predicted, assumed, uh, sort of guessed at correctly last week, he is a registered FC Cincinnati player. He has not rejoined the team in Florida. I suspect that will happen sometime in the next week, depending on how business may be going in South America, which seems unlikely. Uh, but in the meantime, a new signing has arrived or is, sorry, rumored to be arriving soon, according to mostly reputable outlets in South America. And this is in addition to the other yes. signing who has been heavily rumored and has not been announced. <laughs> yes. So Pavel Buka was our first one. That's great. He's more than likely. Pavel. Uh, Pavel. Sorry. I keep doing this. Uh, Pavel Buka. Uh, he's is probably your trialist you see in all these preseason matches. And then this next one here, Luca Oriano, a uh, an attacking-minded player, uh, Argentinian, playing for Brazilian club Vasco da Gama, named after the Explorer, which is great. They have a great crest if you look up online. Uh, he is reportedly heading we to... We love Explorers. They're all our heroes. Yes, right. all good, positive great, things happen. Right. You know, <laughs> just, just dudes love that, that but it was love of the game, just trying to see it, set, set sail and see what they could find. <laughs> I mean, just they, for the love of science. They could have named their club after anybody, is what I'm trying to say. This was a choice. Los <laughs> Conquistadors. <laughs> but he is, uh, it is Luca Oriano. He is headed to, likely headed to FC Cincinnati on loan with a purchase uh, or a, a purchase option uh, as a part of that. Um, yeah, he is a uh, an attack-minded player, uh, good with his left foot, tends to play on the right wing, otherwise known as an inverted winger. However, he's play, he has played centrally and on the left. And yeah, uh, Grayson, what do we... What do we make of these two moves or move and non-move happening simultaneously here? Yeah, we talked about we talked about Luca a couple weeks ago, I think, because mm -hmm. we talked about we talked about Buka more because there had been more kind of I think Pat had even Yeah. Pat Brennan had even acknowledged Buka on Twitter at that point in time. But um Luca, you know, whatever the stuff Kevin said is right. Uh he's a Velez product. Um, he was in the academy and with the team, uh, with Alvaro Barrial at the same time. Um, him and Barrial were kind of the same year. And if you recall, Barrial had not like really broken in to mm -hmm. Velez and neither had Oriano at that point in time. So when Barrial came to FC Cincinnati, he and Luca had only been on like benches together. They've not, they'd never, you know, both played in the same game or anything. Yeah. Um, but Velez is, you know, great academy. Uh, it's also where Tiago, Al where MLS got Tiago Almada from. Um, he's got a lot of great qualities. He's a very like dribbly guy. He's got really strong passing. Um, he's got pretty good defensive actions that even made his like YouTube highlights. Mm -hmm. Um, got a nice shot. Um, is very left-footed, uh, but you can 
maybe he's better with the right foot than we think. Um, but um, yeah, I really thought that this was not going to happen if Barrial stayed with the team. Mm-hmm. And if it does go through, and all the evidence indicates that it will, I mean, you had uh, Twitter, like media Twitter accounts from Brazil taking pictures of him at the airport and <laughs> saying he is boarding his, his flight to end up in Cincinnati. <laughs> um, it feels pretty, pretty conclusive. Feels pretty good. Um, if it happens, I do think he adds a really great attacking dynamic into the team. It will remain to be seen how he how he fits onto the field. Yeah, I think that the issue it sounds like this is a done deal. Um, the numbers that are being reported out of South America are something in the neighborhood of a three million dollar transfer fee for this player, which isn't unworkable so long as the contract length is it wouldn't surprise me to end up seeing this as a four-year contract as opposed to the typical three plus option that you usually see for fc cincinnati just because by signing it as a four-year deal you can spread that transfer fee out a little bit longer to keep everybody under that 1.6 million dollar total charge that stops him from being a designated player or allows him to be bought down below designated player threshold yeah Um, to be to be clear on that on those points um since it's an international transfer the player needs to consent to the transfer including the including the loan so on chief's point with the longer term of the contract i i would almost guarantee that they have an idea of what the contract that he's that he would sign with fc cincinnati looks like if they exercise the purchase option Mm -hmm. so I would be surprised if it wasn't if it wasn't already like in mind that it's a four four or more year deal at a salary that makes him not a DP over the term of that contract. Because it's it's starting out as a loan, which we have to I think if we haven't said that already, it was going to be the report is it's a loan with a purchase option. Generally speaking, and this might not be the case here, but generally speaking, when you see players transferred from South America or transferred up like this, the purchase option tends to be closer to an obligation most of the time. So I would suspect that whatever the option is, it will include conditions that will be very easy to hit that turns it into an obligation. I would be shocked if this is a Luca, a, a Loca situation where they can easily get out from underneath the option if they don't want to make it. Could be wrong on that. I haven't seen this. Uh, the contract we might not know what the condi- we might not probably won't know what the conditions are that trigger the buy option but i would suspect that the buy option will be easily triggered um in terms of the player itself his highlight reels are interesting in that this is a very attack minded player um that definitely fills a need on this team i just don't know that the need that it fills on this team is alvaro barrial's spot um yeah right and i don't know if this was something where they were planning on doing it and then the alvaro sale never happened and they were like well instead of an outright buy we can make it a loan yeah this year get him in the team now with the anticipation that alvaro is out 
sometime in the summer and you don't have to go shopping for his replacement. Now you can spend all that time looking for Arius's replacement in the summer window. I also don't know, and I don't, you know, mean to throw this on Alvaro with no nothing behind it, but this could also be an insurance policy if Alvaro decides I'm just not interested in all things Cincinnati. Um yeah. due to the fact the transfer went through. And like I said, I've seen nothing that indicates that. We said that last week. There is absolutely nothing to indicate that we have a a malcontent situation on our hands with him. But if there is, this is the type of player that could get involved and play that position. Um, the name of the game this year, I'll we'll see what you guys think about this. I said it earlier uh, on Twitter. Positional flexibility, formational flexibility. What FC Cincinnati is doing in this transfer window is bringing in guys that they can deploy in a lot of different ways to do a lot of different things to the point that I don't know that it's a guarantee that we're going to see this team play the formation that they played all of last year, all of this year. They're going to have the ability to deploy some setups with four at the back. Um, Kubo can open up a lot of interesting possibilities, and so can this new trial, this new trialist, Luca, playing as wingers and using wingers as opposed to wingbacks. With the addition of Corey Baird, Baird has a, the ability to do a lot of different things. I think you could see Luca spelling uh, Lucho in certain instances and letting Lucho drift up top. He's got a lot of those 10 type qualities in terms of the handles that he has with the ball and his ability to move the ball with his feet. Am I wrong in thinking that this is a sign that this team may be a little less rigid than they were last year in the last couple of years? I hope it is. Um, I not even just formational. It's just it felt like there were a couple games, not a lot. I mean, it's hard to look. They won a lot of games last year, but like say the two Orlando games, right? It felt like they needed something different in both of those games, and just didn't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if, if somebody like Baird, uh, having Bupenza for a full preseason and getting him into the team, having another very dynamic attacking option like Luca, um, we still have, uh, Bucha as, you know, we know he's got, he's got attacking talent. Um, you got Kubo off the bench who, you know, wasn't always able to give us what we needed last year, but he's certainly a player who can fill a lot of roles. And, um, you know, if they needed to change things up, he's dynamic enough and versatile enough that he could play in a few positions and serve different functions on the field. Um, you, you need to be able, even if you're really great, in a particular formation or playing a style, you need to be able to change it up, be a little unpredictable and, um, you know, find a way to score when your game isn't exactly working. Yep. Um, and like, 
I still don't th- I, like. I don't think we have the players to go to like a. Uh, again, people always talk about that four four two diamond, mm-hmm. um, which you saw Philly even like get away from a lot last year. Um, I don't think we have the players to do that because uh, one, we don't have the fullbacks for it currently on the roster, and two, I don't think we have the center backs for it unless. Miazga and Robinson are available every game. Well, you don't have to have it every game. You're just right, talking exactly. about being able yeah. to have it for 20 but, minutes here or one game there. Or you could play like I we could play that formation during a game or even to start a game, sometimes depending on the personnel available and depending on the opponent, right? So you want to see that stuff uh available to you. Yep. And so I agree with you, Chief, that I think that one of the things that they've targeted with the, even starting at bringing in Bupenza last year is being a little bit more dynamic, being a little bit more flexible. Yeah. And not only that, too, it's like if there was a takeaway we've talked about from last year, it's that this team ran out of gas in the playoffs. You've just got to have people that can do different things to give guys time off. Like if you can take this, if you can take Luca and you can over the course of, they're going to play what a 34 game MLS season. Is that what we're up to now for games? Yep. 34 game MLS season. You're going to figure that they're going to play at least three in the league's cup. We're hoping maybe closer to four or five. So now 39, at least two CONCACAF champions league, probably three. Now you're up to like 42 plus MLS Cup playoffs, if of those 42 games before you get to MLS Cup playoffs, if you can give five, five of those games for Lucho Acosta to be off and Luca can play the 10 for 70 of those game minutes and let him take the 20 at the end, which would be his normal workload for a practice anyway, you're going to see this team down the stretch be a more dangerous team in MLS Cup. And not only that, you're going to lessen the risk of injury if you can give these guys more time off. And last year, they got really lucky with injuries, but the minutes just added up. And so getting guys that can do different things to where you can offer guys time off. And this is all before we even talk about whether or not um, uh, Malik Pinto or um, other Marco Angulo. Marco Angulo whether they've taken a step forward enough to contribute more minutes this year. Right. They're going to have to, if if they want to win MLS Cup, they need more of these guys like a Luca, like a Buka, that can just come in and do a couple of different things. I think that's, at the end of the day, why Yuyakubo is still on this team. Because prior to a lot of these new signings, he was that guy. I mean, Kevin, you put that image out earlier this week that got a little yeah. traction on social media where it's like, yeah, you, Yakubo is the backup at every position. You know what that means? That means you can do just about anything when you've got more guys like that. Yeah. Uh, what I think is funny, and I'm absolutely <clears throat> the, the, the chief amongst uh, this crowd of going ahead and penciling in uh, Oriano as 
a wing back, particularly the right wing back. Obviously, he'd, he'd be inverted. You don't usually see that, although uh, it's not completely unheard of. Uh, Brett Halsey on FC Cincinnati plays this way generally when he was uh, filling in for Barial on the left. He's a right-sided or right-footed player. So, like, so yeah, so maybe we should stop right here and just say, when somebody says inverted wing back, yeah, 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 or inverted winger, what does that mean? So you're playing on the opposite side of the field uh, from your strong foot. So if you are a right-footed player, traditionally you are on the right side of the field. If you're a left-footed player, you're traditionally on the left side of the field. When you're inverted, you're reversing that. You're a right uh, right-footed player on the left side of the field, or a left-footed player on the right side of the field. What you see. Typically, in a situation like that is, uh, I mean, like the, the prototypical example is Ian Robin uh, for Bayern Munich uh, for years and years and years. And for the Dutch national team, uh, he was left footed, played on the right wing, and he would always cut inside. So he'd go from the outside of the field uh, into the middle of the field and would shoot with his left foot. You usually see that with somebody who's going to shoot. If you're going to cross the ball, you don't typically invert. You want uh, you want the strong foot to be on the outside of the field at that point. Uh, you if you want them going in, either attacking, shooting, passing, then you would do an inversion like that. So and it's it's a general you know overview there. Yeah, Christian Pulisic, yes, um, is 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 very often deployed as a inverted winger. He's a right footed player mm-hmm. who. Um, has often in his professional career um, been played on the left side. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, you'll you'll see that occasionally. But uh, my point is, we we've been under the assumption that FCC was going to bring in uh, a striker in addition to Baird to sort of compete for or even assume a starting role next to uh, Bupenza. I mean, everything I've seen I, would lead me to believe that. Oriano could very well be that attacking player that they want to have next to Bupenza as well. So I think that really speaks to the fluidity that we'll probably see from FC Cincinnati is that this guy could very well be a starter, potentially, like four different positions on the field. Or he could be Barriel's backup for six months. Or he could, you know, there's a lot of different ways that this could play out. Do you think at some point in the season, We'll have a midfield that displays perfect assonance, where it's Yuya, Luca, Buha. <laughs> I was I was actually thinking that it would be really funny if they went back and got Loca right now. So you have Loca, Luca, Lucho. It's it's all just building up to a really bad Italian restaurant based on being in your <laughs> uncle's basement, I think. So yeah, this is this is where this is where we live now. And then like if you see the kit leaks <laughs> where like it's really hard to read the text on the back <laughs> because it's a silver font on like a white jersey allegedly. Like now everyone has names that look similar to <laughs> We're gonna need a Lucho to change his nickname to Lucha just so we can we can keep it going. I think this will work. <laughs> the wrestler lucha lucha yeah i mean he wears a mask to one game he's lucha for the rest of his life i'm into this <laughs> i think this is a good signing um yeah and i base this entirely on watching the youtube highlight reel that accompanied <laughs> a lot of these rumors um i'm all in okay just in the abstract as yes. a soccer fan i'm a simple soccer fan i am 
I'm not deep into tactics. We cut an interview where I suggested that we run a 4-3-3 recently, which famously... 4-4-3. Yeah, so I already fucked it up there. Um, But having said that, um, if you put highlights in front of me of a dude dribbling into small spaces, making guys miss in a phone booth, balls sticking to the foot, nutmegs i'm just you know what sign me up this is my kind of guy right here look that's all you need is is some some good highlight reels some good highlights and a let me solo her attitude that's what i'm really looking for right here little leroy jenkins i will say one area where this transfer is you know maybe maybe we lost on this transfer and again it's only rumored up to this point but strong strong indications um, a good a good measure that I like is how are the fans of the departing no, team no, no. Okay, treating this? Say your stupid say your stupid theory, and I'm going to shoot it down immediately <laughs> afterwards. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to provide the middle ground, the centrist position. Okay. If so you typically, if you uh, so going back in FCC history, when uh, Reading fans were super excited to see Kalahe, uh to Camo Makocho uh, leave their team, uh, they were super excited that he was he was gone and telling us that he'll be a terrible player. Yeah, but that then was, all the South African fans were telling us how incredible he was. Yeah, yeah they, he's like the ref- they he disappeared a week later. Now the uh, the the Vasco da Gama fans are um, are not. Sad to see Oriano go. Um, I will say there was one there was one tweet in particular that Google Translate, I hope, nailed this. And if it didn't, this is great. Uh said, and again, this is via Google Translate here. The guy didn't like Rio de Janeiro. Imagine Cincinnati, the asshole of the United States. Hey baby, assholes are in. That's all I gotta say. You gotta read I, I read slate.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I read the New York Times. I, I, once, I once was with someone who described Des Moines, Iowa as not the butthole of the world, but 50 miles up the butthole of the world. <laughs> so by that by that logic, I, yeah, give me the butthole. There I'm we cool go. Uh, another one. He left and won't be missed. May you never come back. That's a good one. Just a classic. Get the hell there's out also, of here. There's also I agree. A, May he never come back. I hope yeah, you sign yeah, him permanently. Keep yeah, him here. Stay here. <laughs> there's also a little, there's a little degree of, I, I don't know if you saw this in the replies. Also, a little bit of anti-wag energy going on right there where there are people making the accusation that his girlfriend did not want to live in Brazil any longer and that mm. she longs to become an influencer in the United States of America, to which I respond, there is no better place yes. to to bask in the influence of the last remaining uh, global superpower than Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, might I even suggest a a podcast covering the global game from the asshole of the United States, Cincinnati, Ohio, <laughs> to get your influencing started? Come on up. Actually, that would be a great <laughs> postcard to sell at CBG. <laughs> Greetings from the asshole of America. <laughs> All right, so Chief, what's your rebuttal? Yeah, what's 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 your rebuttal here? My these... rebuttal was the Kamahilo Makocho. Those South oh, African okay. fans showed up like literally the day we signed him. <laughs> Here's the other one. You remember Joe Sue? How much everyone pined for Joe? Sue. He was Joe pretty Sue, good. He barely played. Like that's I'm, what made I'm, him fun. <laughs> didn't we do this on an episode where we were like, man, remember Joe Sue? And it turns out like he only played in like 13 games for this team. 
I think he started With Salt Lake more. He started the Chicago Fire game. I feel pretty good about that. The, uh, yeah, the right, Open right. Cup famously, game. famously, the games we were trying to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. He was in the uh, let's throw this game starting eleven. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we have inter- we have people that have been on this podcast. Multiple, that, that multiple people that have said we weren't trying to win that game. Saying that he started that game isn't an endorsement of his ability. Yeah, I'm pretty sure GB just straight up didn't suit up for that game, if that was any indication. He so, did not. so uh, Grayson, what is what is the middle ground approach here? What is wh- how uh, should I view approach these? Is, um, yeah. This is what makes him a perfect uh, MLS roster budget signing. Um, yeah, uh, Vasco da Gama paid three million dollars for him uh, from from Velez, which is significantly more than we paid for Alvaro Barrial. Yeah. Okay. So he's clearly been rated as a pretty high level talent coming out of, of Velez. Um, but something didn't fit at Vasco da Gama. Whatever that is, is probably not talent related. Mm-hmm. So it made him a little bit of a distressed asset. And so we get to reap the benefits of his talents on what we believe, we don't know yet, but what we believe is going to be a non-designated player deal at FC Cincinnati. Yeah. And I got to say, like, we're not going to be as hard on him as Vasco da Gama fans are. No. Like, I am a, I am all in on the players, just back in, back in the guys. Right. As long as, as long as they're here. So. And if his wife wants to be a social or his girlfriend wants to be a social media influencer, I'll smash that follow button. I'm cool with yeah. that. Yeah. So um, it's it's a good I would say it's a good sign. That the yeah. fans didn't like him. Yeah, I'll take I'll take that. You know what? He's potentially likely. Our guy and we will back our guy. So I am I am in. He also. Like the funny thing is, and I know we want this team to get better and better and better and win every trophy. Don't get me wrong. There isn't a lot riding on him being incredible. He doesn't need to be a designated player. He doesn't need to be responsible for 15 goal contributions for this team to be successful. This year. This year, yes. Going forward, if the purchase option is, is, you know, executed against, then yeah, things do start to change. But also, he could be responsible for 15 goal contributions this year. Like that is the exciting part about this is he could very well be the X factor, the missing, the missing piece that gets this team to the various promised lands of the various trophies we'll be competing for. We talked about it being like kind of a virtual purchase obligation. I, 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 I expect it to be like plenty of assurances, but there's got, I assume that there's some out if it's a disaster. Right. Right. So by the end of it, my only hope is at the end of the season, we are thrilled that we're signing Luca Oriano on a long-term deal at a $3 million transfer fee. Yeah. And if we don't, then we trigger the purchase option and we cut his contract immediately using the one-time buyout. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it's always there. 
Um, I also like the fact that we're going shopping down in South America. I feel like that has been, that's where this club is uh, doing its best business, is it seems like when we go down to Brazil, Argentina, that we we seem to find good talent when we tap into that player pool. Yeah, the one time per the one time buyout is like child's pose. It's always available to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the safe space. Could there. this be the first year we don't use that? Mm. Mm. Santos is sitting right there. Jeez, oh, if I had to bet on it, I would say no. <coughs> uh, it, maybe- does, it is it is interesting to me. It is interesting to me that they have they have invested heavily this window in the striker room. Because I would view Luca as, you know, striker adjacent. I agree with Kevin where I think that that might be the best way to deploy him um, up as a striker pair with Bapenza. We also have Corey Baird uh, brought in this window. I know that we lost Vasquez and Baji, but it, it just does feel like Santos is a redundant asset at this point. And that there's just better usages of that money. Like, it feels like you could go shopping at this point for not league minimum, but maybe a veteran minimum striker. And you would be okay there. I don't think, I think Santos has become more and more of a luxury with all the shopping they've done this year. It's kind of a bummer to think about it in these terms, I think, but would you trade Santos for Arias right now? Cause that'd be a pretty good deal. I think. Yeah, Yeah, I sure would. Uh, We'll see how it goes. You know, I will say, a healthy super sub Santos with again like needing to eat up minutes and things like that could could be very very useful. Um, just a, a quick roundup on some rumors. It looks like uh, there is some smoke around Junior Moreno heading to India. He is not. Ooh. An FC Cincinnati player, but I know some people like to keep tabs on that. We'd also heard some rumors about potentially uh, a club in the Middle East looking at Junior Moreno. So um, I got an update on Junior Moreno today. Oh, please. Yeah. Um, I got a DM from a guy today. (laughs) That's always good. uh, (laughs) It starts. It was a redeem request. Okay. Stay Hello, tuned to brother. part two. Stay tuned to part two, where we find out why this is a dangerous way to get information <laughs> and break information. He says, uh, "Hello, brother. I am from India. There are rumors that Junior Moreno is coming to India to play for, in all caps, Mohun Bagan. <laughs> is this true?" I accepted it. I said, "No, I have no idea, but let me know if you find out." <laughs> <laughs> You do the work. Tell me. <laughs> you know what? I just want to confirm. I want to confirm the rumor. It's like, yeah, it sounds good to me. You should have, and then it'd pop up on like BBC India or something. You'd be like, wow, this guy was connected. <laughs> like, I hope. I hope Junior finds somewhere that pays him. That pays him a number that makes him happy for his last contract. Yeah. Would I, you? Is there? I mean. Hmm? At a certain point, do you bring Junior back? I mean, not at not at like a like if he goes to like some Middle Eastern country and somebody signs him for like three hundred thousand dollars a week, <laughs> right? But I'm just I saying, no. It, like, is there a number that you're bringing him back? To would you trade for? Sergio Santos for Junior Moreno? Let there me we just go. keep bringing this back. <laughs> I don't think I would give Junior Santos's salary. Okay, but. You know, 
bringing Junior back on his last year's salary in exchange for Santos not being on the roster at his current salary, probably take that. Yeah. I mean, but also, like, you don't know. I mean, like, Moreno really had th- more goals, I feel like, last year. So he might just so, be a better striker. <laughs> so you think of Buha as hopefully an improvement. You would like to have some room for Pinto and Angulo to develop and find some time. Yeah. Um, Buha's younger, right? He's like, what, 25? Mm-hmm. Um, so to say, to say nothing a, of he, Valenzuela coming up through the FCC two team. So yeah, so like having somebody younger who is hopefully an upgrade now and is also a better longer term option. I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. I love having Junior in the team. Like I think what he brings has been incredibly important. Yeah. Um. I just. I don't. I I think it's. I think it's done. I'm shocked he has not ended up in MLS already. I mean, I get it. He's probably trying to get as much money as possible, and MLS is open until April, so like plenty of opportunities to come back to MLS. And he is a, I'm, yeah, he's an unrestricted free agent, right? So there's yes, yep. There's no need for him to play the rights game or anything like for that. for the first so, time yeah. in his career too. So yeah. this is an opportunity for him to pick yeah. a spot. Yeah, so uh, not going to begrudge him that. Um, it looks like uh, Arias was officially unveiled. And Grayson, you you flagged this, was potentially late to his own unveiling. Was this you that posted this in the oh, Discord? Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, Bahia posted their lineup today. They played today. And they had announced him already on their Twitter. Yeah. And I saw he wasn't in the... Um, in the roster. I don't know that he was ever planned to be in the roster today. Yeah. But it did find out and I don't speak Portuguese, so this is Google trans this is Twitter Translate. Yeah. <laughs> telling me this. Um he may have like gotten stuck in traffic and missed his like formal presentation <laughs> press conference. <laughs> That's so good. I really hope that's what happened. And honestly, I don't think anybody has the capacity to fact check us. So I'm going to say that's what happened here. (laughs) Uh, Well, speaking of unveilings around the world that have gone horribly, horribly wrong, uh, I, I cannot get us out of a podcast without talking about this. Inter Miami has gone on an international whirlwind tour for their preseason, including matches against the entirety of the Honduran national team. Uh, they played, who was it, River Plate in the uh, in the Cotton Bowl in Texas? Who did they play in? No, that I'm confusing the, the Monterey friendly that we watched. That's because they played somebody. Yeah, you're confusing Monterey. So they played, um, I think it was El Salvador. Not Honduras. Okay. That they played. They played FC Dallas. Oh, they um, played FC Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. And then they played... Um, or no. No, they didn't. I don't know. They, they did play FC Dallas. Okay. 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 I don't know if it was at the Cotton Bowl, if it was Cotton Bowl, if it was FC Dallas' the stadium. Um, then they played uh, Al-Hilal yep. in Saudi Arabia. Al-Nasser in Saudi Arabia. The Ronaldo one. <laughs> and then they play, yeah. So they played Al Halal 
the Neymar one without Neymar. Yes. <laughs> Al Nasser, the Ronaldo one without Ronaldo. And mostly without Messi. He made seven minute appearance there at the end. And then the Hong Kong And then All-Stars. they went to Hong Kong, yeah, to play like the Hong Kong All-Stars. And then they were supposed to play, and maybe I'm giving away the punchline here. They were Please. supposed to travel to go play Vissel Kobe. Yep. But that was canceled. And Vessel Kobe is a team in the Japanese uh, league, J-League 1, that was sort of the original Barca all-star team before Inter Miami was. So Iniesta has played there. A handful of other Barca names have popped up over the years. Did they sign that Brazilian that we were looking at? Lincoln. Yes. Lincoln. They signed Lincoln. 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 (laughs) Weird transfer rumors of guys I still get fought mob uh, alerts on. Lincoln is one of those guys. Um, yeah, and then uh, they are supposed to cap it off, and I believe this one is still on the books, at least for right now. Uh, it all caps off with a friendly against Newell's old boys. This was Messi's, uh, you know, youth team, his his childhood club uh, back down in Argentina. So, yeah, the problem with all of this is uh, they've looked horrible. Through all of this, they did not win any of them until they played the Hong Kong All Star team, which. But. <laughs> yeah, right. One, <laughs> Messi did not play in this game. Neither did Suarez, by the way. Uh, it was so bad that the fans were booing the entire time and started chanting, We want refunds, like for a while in this one to the point where the government of Hong Kong had to release a statement basically saying how disappointed they were. And I believe they even threatened legal action if they could in yeah, some they, way. Yeah, they're, they said they were exploring all their options. <laughs> I believe I'm, Good I'm, luck with that. I'm shooting from the hip here and please somebody, if you know the full story posted in the, uh, the discord, um, I believe they had a similar situation to this in South Korea when Juventus came to visit and Ronaldo was injured and he wasn't able to play. And there was a like a massive lawsuit about getting people refunds about not being able to see Ronaldo play. It became a whole thing. Um, the, you know, is, I'm, a, I just, I'm this is not a story to me. No, the, the, only, okay. the only because look. <laughs> this is you went there before I even had to ask the question. This is no, great. it's not a story. Here's the reason why it's not a story. This is just soccer. There have been any number of these types of exhibition games staged all over the world. I've been to one of them. I went to go see Chelsea play down in Orlando a couple summers ago. Um, the stars don't travel. If they travel, you see maybe five minutes of them. Yep. And I don't know. It's this is this is MLS growing up. This is this is if there this is the dream, right? That we can send a team overseas and maybe the stars play, maybe they don't, but they sell an arena out because hey, this is this famous team from some other league coming to play. Now, look, I get that the whole draw and the only reason Inter Miami is going on tour is that Leo Messi's on the team. But I don't know. It's a summer cash grab friendly. This is this is soccer. If you don't love this, you don't love the sport. (laughs) So I would agree with you. 
And like, I don't think that inner Miami, I hope it does, but I don't think the inner Miami, like losing all these preseason games uh, means anything. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I don't, it doesn't generally like, think is, preseason yeah, results pre- mean much. I mean, it's just about getting into fitness and, you know, getting especially your... with especially with these old guys like this is they know right. there's only a couple bullets left in the chamber and you're not firing them and you're not going full speed at this point in the season. Yeah, right. I mean, like if Suarez like really is like a little injured, that's certainly something to watch. Um, But the reason I think it's. The reason I think it's a story is that. MLS when like before it fell apart. MLS certainly thought it was a story. Yeah. And I'm not going to name names, but a lot of the usual like MLS mouthpieces in the media before that Hong Kong game were kind of gloating on Twitter by like, oh, look, look at all this. Look at this global presence. Look at this full stadium. Look how, you know, excited, uh, uh, people are to see an MLS team. This is like really growing the league internationally. And then the next day, the Hong Kong government statement came out <laughs> and they canceled the Vissel Kobe game. And it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, we're really growing interna- MLS's international presence by saying, if Messi isn't playing, we do not want you to watch MLS soccer. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like if he's not playing, we don't want people around the world to watch it. Like there are other famous players on this team. Like Sergio Busquets right. and Jordi Alba are superstars. I know Suarez was injured as well, but like he's one of the most famous players on the planet. Any number of, you know, Saudi and Qatari teams would have loved to have had him for mm-hmm. their, their final swan song. And I'm sure he was entertaining offers from them. So yeah, like well, we know Jordi Alba was. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, I, I don't know. Like on one hand, it's a bad look from MLS just because of like how it's been received. But at the same time, I, I'm inclined to agree with chief, which is like, you know, Chelsea does this, Roma does this, like all all of these teams do this around the world. It is fun to have an MLS brand do it to other teams. And like it almost makes me wonder if there isn't like take a shitty MLS team like the Colorado Rapids. They should try to sign like as many Uruguayans as possible and then just like go on a national tour of Uruguay or something and like try to become the American team of Uruguay or like you know Nigeria or you know pick pick whatever pretty good soccer nation you want and just like focus all of your efforts Kevin you'll love this what this is this is the New York cosmos all over again it really is this is getting (laughs) a bunch of aging stars together on a team and trying to make that the first American brand in soccer. Mm-hmm. The, the it, For the longest time, you could still buy New York Cosmos gear overseas, and it was the one team from America that if you were of a certain age internationally that you heard of. That's what Inter-Miami is right now. That's what MLS is trying to market Inter Miami as overseas, that this is the American super club right here. Look at these stars. Look at this brand. 
this was a branding exercise for MLS to make the Inter Miami brand seem like a world class brand. It doesn't have one of those in this league. There isn't a a thing that you look at from overseas and think to yourself, oh, you think of the Premier League, you think of Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool, um, Arsenal. You look at, you know, League One, it's, you know, PSG, Serie A, it's Inter Milan. You know, there are these, these big brand teams that are immediately identifiable with the league. That's what they want Miami to be right now. And, it, you know, stepping back from how much that sucks as a Cincinnati fan that, like, we have to compete with this. It's really good for the league, and it's going to be really funny when the inevitable happens, and that's that all these players get hurt this summer, <laughs> and the team doesn't make the playoffs. That's that's what makes this a non-story to me. The story to me is not they went overseas and did a cash grab. The story to me is that there's absolutely no way this team stays healthy enough to to compete for MLS Cup at all. Yeah, yeah. I hope that's I, right. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, I just, I really wish MLS would learn different lessons here than I know they are going to learn, which is, hey, if you let teams, you know, build teams that they'd like, you might accidentally end up with some really, really strong teams that do have international appeal. I don't know. That'd be kind of neat. Like, yes, it's cool that Miami is your brand, but like, you weren't that far away from making LAFC your brand or the Galaxy your brand or what should be a New York team. It's insane to me that a New York team isn't relevant on the global stage in any way, shape or form, given how they've they've managed those. So, yeah. Or, you know, a Cincinnati team there. I'll throw it. I'll throw yeah. it out there as well. It, but. Did, it, it did produce some great video. There's one that I'm, I've got saved in the bookmarks for um, X of someone kicking the head <laughs> of uh of Messi off a cardboard cutout that I will absolutely <laughs> I will absolutely reuse at some point this year as a reaction. What I'm what I'm bothered about about how Messi came into the league and has come into the league is we have been robbed of the opportunity to see Messi on an MLS team. Yeah. Right? Like it would have been an interesting storyline to have a team that was just subject to with subject to like put like replace uh like if you were to take a roster like FC Cincinnati's or let's say you take Philadelphia Union yeah okay and you replace God's dog with Messi Man. what happens right does that right? team like, run the table or are they just pretty good or do you just, but instead they didn't do that. And, you know, it, like you said, it looks like they're going to maybe have some injury issues. So they may have been just very incompetent at putting this roster together. But someday, like a good player is going to come and they're not going to do a bad job, like yeah. cheating the roster rules and putting a overpowered roster together. And that's going to suck. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, that's all. I don't want, I don't really want to talk about Miami anymore. Yeah, that works for me. Um, I'm looking at the time here. Uh, we should take the rest of this conversation over to part three. But in part two, 
we are joined by one of the original voices of You Ain't Lion, an FC Cincinnati uh, podcast, Travis Grimes. And if you've heard that name, it's likely because you've seen him covering all of the latest scoops and leaks and anything else, especially related to transfers in and around FC Cincinnati. Uh, we had a really great conversation with Travis. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, afterwards, catch us in part three. We got a little bit more, I, I don't want to call it soccer to talk about, but we'll touch on a few more topics and we'll get out of here. So enjoy this conversation. And before we head on over to part two, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Sensi Shirts. And I got to be honest with you, if you've never heard of Sensi Shirts, I don't believe you. Look, they are the best when it comes to FC Cincinnati gear. They are the best when it comes to Cincinnati sports gear as well. They have an amazing selection online and in their two stores, one in Hyde Park, the other in Fort Mitchell. They do amazing stuff. They can also print on demand, by the way. Go check out their stock and when you do. If you use the code, the post Cincy, all one word, all caps, they knock 10% off your order and we kind of get to take credit for sending you over there, right? I think we can all agree that's that's fine. Just let them think that we are how you learned about them. Uh, they also have MLSPA licensed gear, support the Players Union and FC Cincinnati players with that one. And as I said, they have print on demand in their location. So if they don't have your size in stock online, go to a store, they'll print it for you. Uh, huge thanks to Cincy Shirts for being sponsors of the podcast. Our longest running sponsor as well. Amazing, amazing guys. Happy to be working with them. Check them out again. Sensi Shirts, link in description. Use the code THEPOSTSENSI. Get 10% off your entire order. It doesn't even have to be SCC gear, and you'd be doing a lot for the show. So thank you so much to Sensi Shirts, and thank you for using the code. Oh, and joining us here in part two, we are joined by the one and only Travis Grimes. You might have heard his beautiful voice on the You Ain't Lying podcast or seen his tweets covering the various silly seasons around FC Cincinnati. Travis, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm super happy to be doing this. Um, I think bridging the gap is an awesome thing, and I'm I'm super excited to do this. Uh, you guys have done a really good job. Uh, I enjoy listening to the podcast, so being a part of it is super exciting for me. Oh man, we are we are happy to have you on. This is this is a fun one for us because we are in the midst of a transfer window, a transfer season, one, a, a, dare I say, a dramatic one. We have seen the non-sale of Alvaro Barrial. We've seen a number of rumored uh, incoming signings, whether or not they are here or even trialing with the team. We'll, we'll dive into that in just a moment. But I, I want, I, I have an interesting question for you. You're, you're one of the, uh, the few people I can sort of ask this question of, which is, at what point do you go from being a fan to sort of finding yourself as a pundit of sorts or, or maybe let me ask what do you view yourself as um oh man so i guess i view myself as almost just a, a fan pundit if that makes sense i kind of find myself um kind of trying to toe the line between fan and pundit and i know sometimes i kind of get too deep into the pundit side and i lose kind of track of just being a fan and enjoying it 
it was kind of accidental for myself and Nate when we started UA Lion. We were kind of approached by um, MLS Aces, which is kind of a larger podcast umbrella. Um, so I was kind of thrown in kind of right away into the pundit slash podcast host slash fan. And it, I, you know, I'll be honest for a long time. It was, it was really hard for me to toe that line and figure out kind of where my space was and how to appropriate, uh, appropriately kind of toe the line. So I, I guess the, the best answer to that is like a fan pundit. Although I would say I'm trying to back away more from the pundit side of things. I think you guys have noticed <laughs> my, my, uh, lack of, um, activity on Twitter. Some of that is, is just lifestyle, personal things. And also my, my, uh, I guess famous temper can get the best of me sometimes. <laughs> so, um, trying to stay away from the trolls and, and those kind of things that seem to, I guess, buzzword trigger me a little bit. So yeah, I think, uh, early on it was, it was a struggle finding the, the, the line between fan and pundit. And, and now I'm kind of finding the, the sweet spot there. The interesting thing for the interesting thing for me it, that was sort of interesting about the ecosystem of FC Cincinnati media and media adjacency, I would say, is that when everybody started to cover this team, they were very good at covering the on-field product. They were very good at covering the local product, but sort of where I think that people like yourself fitted in to that was in covering the rumors, the what I'm hearing, the just being a conduit for the stuff that, you know, maybe you wouldn't find in the newspaper, but overseas, this is big business talking about this person rumored to be talking here, this person rumored to be talking there. To what degree did being that sort of like, hey, this is what I'm hearing. Is that fun or does that kind of spoil the magic trick a little bit, knowing too much about how all this goes on? <laughs> it was I will, I will be as transparent through this whole thing as I possibly can. It was super fun at first. Um, not saying I was the only one, um, but for a long time, I felt like I was the only one kind of reporting the rumors that I was hearing and the things I was hearing about the transfer stuff and kind of the off the field stuff. And at first it was really, really fun. I was a bit naive getting into it. Um, and then to find out that uh, it's a thankless business. If you're wrong one time, you're run through the, uh, through the ringer a bit. It took a, a quite a while for me to figure out uh, how to handle that properly. I'm not perfect. Um, again, I'm a bit of a hothead. So, um, not right away, not knowing how to deal with a source being wrong and not sure how to take that one on the chin, but I will say for the most part, it's been, it's been a really fun time because in those first few seasons, you guys know, as well as I do watching that team was miserable. Um, trying to run a podcast and talk without just sounding super negative all the time was nearly impossible. So being able to get the sources I had and be able to report about the things off the field and the rumors and the transfers, it was a, it was a great distraction from the on-field product, from the, the spoon seasons, from kind of, um, I'm not sure how much you guys cuss on here a whole lot, but it, we, yeah, it's fine. You can say okay, perfect. Like. Thanks, Grayson. The, the, the fucking the shit show that was everything around FC Cincinnati, right or wrong. Um, people uh, blamed uh, Jeff for a lot of things. I did at times. That seems to be a bit wrong. Uh, but then you have managerial changes and the Ron Yon situation. So we had all these things that were negative. So it, it was nice to be able to kind of dive into the rumor stuff and, and kind of give me something to look forward to, something positive for the fan base as well. Like I said, it is a thankless business. Like if you're wrong one time, if you report a source incorrectly one time, 
you're, you're put through the ringer, but, um, overall it's been a great experience. I've backed off a little bit. Um, I still do get quite a few text messages. I still share as much as I can. Yeah. I, I'm picking and choosing a little bit better. Um, before I would kind of just run with things. Now vetting has become a huge part of, of it all. Um, it's, it covers myself. It covers the club. Um, it kind of, it brings validity to everything. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I still get fat mob alerts for Clayton. Uh, he's still hanging out in uh, <laughs> Serie B. All right. He's tearing it up. He's made four appearances this season. Uh, look, he's only 28. All I'm saying is there's still, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. He could come. He could come good. All right. I'm sure we have his discovery rights, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Gibbs. the rumors, the rumors angle is interesting. Did you find yourself there accidentally, or did you see that as a, I don't know, like a market inefficiency that you could you could fill that role? <clears throat> um. Uh, so I I had um, an acquaintance who worked for the club, um, in the very early stages of MLS. And at that time, I, I'm sure some, a couple of you guys probably know this. It, FC Cincinnati was one giant leaky faucet. So they would just tell everybody everything. And then some people were under NDAs and some people were just told to keep it hush us. And, and, and some people was just unspoken, like, don't say anything. But the unspoken stuff is what got leaked to me. Um, <laughs> I became, yeah. It was spoken. It was exactly. Very, spoken, very yeah. quickly. Very quickly. Um, so that's kind of I, I, accidentally, um, but also a little bit on purpose. Once I figured out I had an acquaintance working closely enough with the club that they might be privy to some information, I kind of exploited that. And that sounds negative, but as best as I could. Um, Utilized. Which kind of. Yeah. Utilize. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that's the word I needed to, to say there. Um, and then it, it kind of led from there into, and I know this is much of much fame, um, cultivating a relationship with, with Jan Vots Nightcamp and frankly, his dad. Um, I know for instance, when they signed Jurgen Lakati, I knew about 10 minutes after he made the phone call that Gerard didn't even know he was going to receive uh, Jurgen called Gerard and said, I'd love to come play there. Um, I'm unhappy here. Gerard made one phone call. They were on board and that was it. I got a text message about five minutes afterwards. Um, <laughs> and then the famed pity Martinez thing. Uh, I probably should have listened to Gerard a little bit there. He kind of <laughs> yelled at me afterwards, but no, I, I guess that's a long way of saying like accidentally to start and then uh, utilize that to, to kind of grow my relationships within with inside FC Cincinnati as they continue to change through the years, as the front office changed and the, the managers changed and the players changed, kind of just making sure I was cultivating relationships the proper way, making sure I wasn't burning anybody, making sure I wasn't outing anybody um, because those NDAs are serious. Um, for those that don't know, like the club is very good sometimes at putting out fake things just to see where the leaky faucet is, where the person that's leaking information, who they're leaking it to, and then people get fired. So um, if you do ever get into this and it's the rumor game, you, you, you got to be careful to protect people that are handing you information. So on that uh, night camp phone call with Jurgen Lacadia, in retrospect, do you think he should have done more than one phone call? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Gerard was very... Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to lose the word here, but essentially like if he thought a player was good enough to, to run MLS and he got a phone call, it didn't matter the roster mechanisms. It didn't matter the kind of form of the player or the fit. He was going to sign him. See Sim Deong in that um, 
Camo Makocho, same thing. Those guys on paper should be great MLS players. The problem is they're probably a little bit past their prime. They're a little bit injured. They're a little bit slower. So yeah, three years before they signed, awesome. But at the moment, probably not. Uh, Gerard came in super naive, I think, that uh, he just thought so much less of MLS talent that he could just bring in kind of Dutch retreads, Dutch league retreads, kind of make his way in the league and then figure out MLS rules as they go. Now for a lot of like the bad things that Gerard did, if you do look at the last two years of the roster, he did hit a lot. It's just, he just didn't know MLS rules well enough. Um, he got the Lucho deal done and Brenner and Brandon Vasquez and Barrial and Kubo, all the guys that, you know, you look at the five or six really major contributors last year and the year before it's they're Gerard guys. Right. But not knowing MLS rules was really his downfall. Um, yeah. He borrowed, I, I don't know how many people know this and we'll just go into it. He borrowed Tam for like two straight years. Um, so I don't even think, I, don't, I think it's next year that, that FC since it may be this year, but I think next year FC Cincinnati finally has their true amount of Tam because he borrowed and borrowed, which you're allowed to do with MLS because they just, <laughs> there's no such thing as compliance within MLS. They preach roster compliance. No one's actually compliant. So yeah, he didn't know what he didn't know. And it, and it hurt. Um, again, he did, he did bring us five or six players that were really key to the turnaround, but again, didn't know what he didn't know. And he, again, borrowing Tam and doing the things he probably shouldn't have been doing. He didn't know, any better not to do the club. He didn't hire anyone. The club didn't hire anyone. And he was kind of left out to dry there. I, I think we've, we've, you know, we've, we've talked about it this podcast, you know, that, that Gerard hit on some pretty big attacking players for sure. Um, but I think to devil's advocate, you know, <laughs> getting in a defensive midfielder, <laughs> getting in like good center backs, yeah. getting in a good goalkeeper. Like those were all very important pieces of, of the success the last two years. Yeah. If you don't, I mean, it, and I coach, obviously I'm not a uh, professional manager, but if the spine of your team is screwed up, you have no shot. So his inability to find MLS quality center backs in the CDM, like you were saying, um, was ultimately his downfall. Um, offensively, you could see them growing a bit under Gerard um, on the wings. They were growing a bit. It's just, uh, Michael Vanderwerf and, and Cameron Makocho and just, well, you know, it, Nick tried his best in that time. And there's not, you know, there's only so much one player can do, but yeah, his inability to really fix the spine w was again, another downfall of his. You, and you see it now with, with Chris Albright, and Pat Noonan, I've been kind of hypercritical of Chris this window. Mostly that's the fan of me coming out and like the expectations being a little bit higher and, Right or wrong, but I've been a bit hypercritical. But one thing they have gotten right is the spine. You look at yeah. the spine of the team, you've got, you know, essentially if you're going midfield back, you got Lucho and Obi, and not saying you throw anybody at the eight, but they've done well at the eight with Junior Moreno and now Trialist, who might play the eight. Um, <laughs> then you've got essentially the probably the best two center backs in the league. If Miles is going to be 100% healthy and Ian Murphy's nothing to sneeze at, he got Yerson in on loan. So he's fixed the spine. And really, that's been why FC Cincinnati has been so good the last two years. I think the name that you mentioned there is sort of like where the downfall of Nightcamp was, was Junior Moreno. 
is Nightcamp's inability to identify players like Junior Moreno, where yep. they are not flashy, but they are seat, they are floor raisers for your overall team, where they are just good, competent MLS level players that aren't going to break your salary, where you're going to be able to get them for under a max salary budget charge. They're going to come in. They're going to give you competent level of play. And Nightcamp was the the results have borne out that Nightcamp really did have an eye for getting players that were very good at the top end of that spectrum. Your guys like your Lucho Acostas, your Yuya Kubos, your Alvaro Barrial coming in under a U22 salary slot. But that's the whenever they tried to bring guys in that were just those glue pieces where. You know, soccer is a weak link sport just to ensure that you don't have someone that can't play touching the ball, making five hundred thousand dollars. That to me is where Albright has shined. And it's one of those things when you talk about being, you know, critical of Albright during this window. I keep trying to remind myself as I, too, sit here and wonder what the hell are we doing with a couple of these moves is that compliance with the cap fitting pieces in, you're not going to be able to make a splash every single time. You just aren't. And every so often, you've got to go get a Corey Baird. Is he the flashiest player in the world? No, but he fits under your budget, and he's not going to embarrass you to a certain extent. And that's that's kind of winning in this league, unfortunately, until they lift some of the restrictions up, I think. Gerard was very open, publicly and privately, that he did not believe in MLS players, and he did not like American players. He was just not on that train. He had, he could have very well identified a junior Moreno as a talent. He just didn't care to. Um, I, I, I joke in you ain't lying slack sometimes that I wish Chris knew the international market the way Gerard did. And I wish Gerard knew the MLS market like Albright does. If they could work together, that'd be great because I think, in, in all his glory, I think the one thing that Albright does struggle with a bit is the international market. Chris is an amazing GM and he is a master negotiator, but some of the things that he negotiates like with MLS clubs, he tries to do that in the international market, I think. And I think it's been successful, obviously in a couple of times and a couple of times, I think it's bitten in the butt. So again, take the good with the bad, but I think the club learning their mistakes from Gerard led us to Chris. And I think that's a huge takeaway. It's, for big businesses and for big franchises and clubs to admit you've screwed up and try to figure out why you've screwed up and fix it is a huge step. You know, some of these, some of these franchises and clubs, they just repeat over and over again because, Hey, we're in the right. You're on the wrong. You're the fan by the ticket. You don't know what you're talking about. This club, Jeff, to his credit, Carl, to his credit said, okay, we've screwed this up. Let's figure out how to fix it. And they fixed it really quickly. Yeah, that's one thing I've always appreciated about FCC is that even when it was as bad as it was, you could always look to the club and see that they were trying to win. I look at some of these clubs in MLS. I don't know that they're trying to win, but I wanted to ask you, particularly on that like Junior Moreno point, uh, do you think Nykamp left MLS with a greater appreciation of MLS and the American player, or do you think he leaves it thinking like their rules are so backwards and they, they know nothing. Like, did it reinforce his stereotype or, or did, does he leave humbled? <laughs> I would say the last conversation I had around the camp of night camp, I won't say with Gerard, he did not learn his mistake. Okay. <laughs> he thinks, he thinks MLS is back 
words when it comes to rules. He thinks they're a shit show. He thinks he should have been able to spit however he wants. He thinks he's in a master identifier of talent, which if you look, it, it's, it's hard to defend him because he made so many mistakes. If you look where he's at now, they're doing well, better than they have in quite some time because he's kind of been allowed to do whatever he wants. Um, yeah, he still looks down on MLS as an inferior league roster mechanisms as a blatant shit show and they shouldn't exist. And uh, he's to a very fair, stubborn he's, man. He's kind of right about that. He is, and I, 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 I hate MLS rules. I know them fairly. I would say 90%. I know them. There's some things in the CBA. I'm just not smart enough to read. And I'm just not going to pretend. So I don't know the 10%, but some of the things that even maybe is not public or, or the majority of the MLS fan doesn't know about that's in the CBA. And that's a, roster rule is just insane it's hard to know what you can buy down what you can't you can use gam to buy down a dp budget charge but you can't use it like tam on any other player and then you can call dibs on a player and get money for the dibs essentially it's just i wish and i will say and i i kind of go off on these tangents and i'm sorry guys but I would say Chris and other MLS clubs, when the rule changes were supposed to be implemented after the season, they all expected rule changes. I, I've talked to Tom Bogert about this. I've talked to other people around MLS. What they came out with was shocking. Um, I will I will go as far as to say if they would have changed the rule, Georgie Mihailovic would be in orange and blue right now. The only thing that kept him away was the fact they couldn't make him a DP. And frankly, a lot of people thought there was going to be a fourth DP. So, yeah, MLS rules are um, – they're a detriment. They have to change. I, every time I think I know a MLS rule or the CBA, I just have a conversation with Grayson, and I realize I know absolutely nothing. That is – Same. Same. <laughs> well, the thing to remember is, like, there's always a caveat of, like <laughs> – Right. There's, like, so many stuff, even in the CBA, in the published – roster rules and regulations there's so much like in the discretion of mls right yeah. or there's mm-hmm. so much so much yep. wiggle room left of like mls has a lot of freedom to alter this stuff and also like in the cba mls has the ability to reduce the budget charge of like an individual player like in its discretion <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just like yeah. okay like we learn all this stuff and then it's like no it's it's very much they can the also just change it if they want it's yeah. very much the equivalent of Vince. I know this is probably he's canceled now, but like Vince McMahon in the WWF back in the day where he can just change the rules of the match midway through. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like it's now a two out of three falls match between Triple H and Stone Cold. And that's MLS. <laughs> it's do you, do you need more Tam? I mean, I think everybody acknowledges that when we signed Matt Miazga, there was they fudged the last couple thousand of Tam to make that happen. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, because like, that's my, like I said before. Sorry to interrupt, Chief. No, I, go for it. Like, like I said before, it was, guess, that that was uh, that was still the Gerard Ibarro Tam to sign players kind of thing. And I think again, like I think it's over this year, but it may not be till next year. Wow, that's I, I'm waiting for them to do like if like Messi. If it looks like Messi like might not win an MLS Cup, them doing like a rollerball type thing where each round <laughs> they like change the rules, and then suddenly it's just like. Lucho versus Messi, and you're also allowed to like snipe Lucho at any given moment. <laughs> like, or that like one team, like, oh, we're gonna do a re-entry playoff draft where you 
each team based on the way they finish can draft a player to their roster from a team that didn't make the playoffs That'd so that somebody can someone can take messi onto their team to go win mls cup <laughs> lafc <laughs> draft messi after miami misses the- yeah yeah 100 <laughs> no it'll be whoever we're playing in the first round that's just the way this is gonna work oh yeah yeah <laughs> the I, I, red bulls end up with messi for one <laughs> game and we have to deal with that again no. <laughs> <laughs> we're reversing uh home field seating to make it fair <laughs> right. Better right. teams have to go on the road now. <laughs> and then you'll get you'll get all the apologists in the league talking about, well, if you're the better team, you can prove it anywhere, right? Like, no, this is bullshit. <laughs> you can't do this to us. Don't you want the biggest challenge? <laughs> uh, Travis, I know you're I know you're not in the game as much as you have been. So sure. I guess maybe you're more in a position like us or uh, one of our, our 12 listeners where you will come across a rumor on x.com as it is and i'm curious what is sort of your process to vetting a new rumor that you you come across i'm not asking you to expose a source but how how do you go about assessing a a rumor when you first hear it the easiest thing is the follower count if you've got somebody with 12 followers saying that you know jesse lingard is going to sign with us in cincinnati it's probably bullshit but i would say anyone so the first thing for me is what is their job title? What in their bio, what's it say? If they're a journalist for some podunk newspaper that doesn't really cover the sport, but it's in the country, don't really buy that. But if you got somebody that works for build, uh, B I L D, um, if somebody works for sky sports, if somebody works for T Y C sports in South America, um, you've also got uh, Tuto Mercado, uh, in South America, you have to look at, one, are they a club watcher, which essentially is like Pat Brennan and, and Laurel and, and us as, as fans uh, that still cover the team. Are they covering the team or are they covering the sport in the country? And then you have to look at follower count. And then I always look at like previous, I go back at tweets. I'm ridiculous about this, but I go back in tweets and I look at previous windows and see what they've, they've kind of uh, projected and then go back and look at their projections. Cause I mean, in fairness, you can throw, a name out there and every once in a while it's just going to be right it's just it's the way the sport works you can look at profile i mean you could look at gerard's profile and just guess players because that's just what he's going to sign um hmm. the same as can be said for all these other clubs it, it all comes down to their history of predictions who they work for and their follower count um south america is very weird lots of troll accounts down there have fifty thousand followers and they claim they work for the South American journal and they claim they're hundred percent right on rumors. You're just going to have to do the background and kind of see. Um, but you know, I would stick to guys like Sean Luco, D Marcio. He works for sky sports. I would stick with guys like uh, Cesar Luis Marlowe um, and, and Herman Garcia who works for TYC sports. Those guys are like Fabrizio Romano. They get a hold of everything and they're always right. They, they have insiders at clubs um, the club watchers like Rick, uh, good old Rick from, uh, from PSV. <laughs> He's those kind of guys in Europe are great to get, uh, maybe DM every once in a while and, and, and take a look at their Twitter accounts. Cause they're usually pretty on it. Um, but don't, if it's, if it's in Europe and the sun is reporting it, don't believe us. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the Enquirer in the U S and TMZ. Don't believe that shit. Not the but, Cincinnati uh, Enquirer, the national. Inquirer. No, the national Enquirer. The Enquirer. To be yeah. clear. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, although I don't know if Pat works for that one either, but he works at definitely Cincinnati Enquirer, but yeah, national Enquirer with the eye. Um, don't believe that. Don't believe the sun, but yeah, I mean like, 
not to say it should be fairly self-explanatory because that's not true, but I would say pay attention to who they work for, what their motives are as well. I would essentially, I've made this mistake. Never listen to agents. Agents are always wrong. Right. Even when they're right, they're wrong. Just they ignore would, agents at all costs. Yeah, they're working they, for their, they're working for their their guy, and they're pumping their guy's value up, and they have a reason for releasing any bit of information they get, and they they feed on people that want to know what's going on and yep. get information out for them. It's always it's tough because sometimes you look at a rumor online, you look at something, and it's like, okay, this very clearly feels like agent spin. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. If it's, you know, all of a sudden a player is overvalued and coveted by a club that's several tiers above where they're supposed to be. It's yeah. Yeah. You got to look at that as somebody somebody's trying to do a solid for their client. And that's a tough it's a tough bit of noise to have out there in the ether when you're trying to figure out what's real and what's not. I have been super guilty of doing an agent's work. I will 100 percent admit that trying to keep a relationship alive. 100% 100% bit the bullet and was just like, fine, I'll tweet it out. Uh, agents are master manip- master manipulators, which is why they're agents, which is why they're so successful. They're great negotiators and they're great at getting out the word. I will say one thing for people is if you see an inter- international transfer rumor and there's three MLS clubs tied to him, that's not true. Mm-hmm. MLS <laughs> is a single entity. They do not want their clubs negotiating against each other. So two of the clubs might be interested. Maybe it's more likely that the one club has discovery rights and the other club is the one negotiating. But if some account claims three or four, it's just not true. Uh, MLS sends strongly worded emails and text messages and notifications that do not in any circumstance negotiate against each other. We're a single entity. We're trying to get as many good players here as possible and negotiating against each other for one player doesn't make any sense for the league. So yeah, if you see FC Cincinnati thrown in with Montreal and LAFC, it's probably not true. It's probably because we're seeing that this year I've noticed. And that's that when people are lazily throwing out an extra name on there, they're throwing out the the number one team that finished top of the table. And it's sort of like, Oh, if the number one team in MLS wants this person, then surely there must be a market. But then it's so easily disputable because it's usually by people that don't understand MLS roster mechanisms. And it's like, no, there's no chance he's coming to a club without a DP spot available. It would be physically impossible to sign this person absent Grayson's, uh, you know, for the good for the good of the order roster (laughs) exemption, (laughs) which isn't happening for us. It's never going to happen for us. Uh, Yeah, the the recent one was uh, Yegetson Mendez, the former Montreal central midfielder. Everything I had heard behind and I didn't really mention I didn't really talk much about him on Slack, the UA line Slack, just because I kind of knew but I didn't want to, you know, kill anybody's vibe. But um Everything I had heard behind closed doors is he wanted to stay in South America. He didn't want to come back to MLS. He just wanted to leave his club. He wasn't playing. He was kind of out of out of uh, out of favor there. The agent was very smart because he fitted he fit a need at the time for FC Cincinnati. Um, obviously, that need has been I think um, with trialist has been filled. Mm-hmm. So that one was kind of like, yeah, it made sense at the time. But if you dig a little bit deeper, why would FC Cincinnati go after a guy who's we've already filled the spot? Why would they still be interested? So it's another one where you kind of have to look at who's tweeting it out, what their motives are. They're all they'll also telling on themselves. If you look at their follower list and they're following a bunch of agents and a bunch of agents are following them. Um, it's also a good sign to stay away from them. Yeah, I think. 
my philosophy on it is, you know, trying to sort out Twitter accounts. Once you get past like the couple of guys, especially the ones like Travis mentioned, who are just like the handful of guys who just on everything and their word is like really solid. Mm-hmm. Trying to clear up beyond that is like real sicko hours. And yeah. like it's it's probably not worth most people's effort <laughs> to, <laughs> to figure it out because beyond all this, all the fake shit, right? There's all the aggregators, like the people who make their game of um, anytime like a rumor comes out, they'll mock up a quick poster or whatever, and they'll put a tweet out that looks like original reporting for the most part, especially at like a quick glance. And then but like they'll like put in a reply or put at the very end, like, you know, hat tip to at Tom Boger, just to pick, you know, pick somebody who like does a lot of rumors. Right. Yeah. And there's a whole, uh, there's a whole, uh, industry of like those accounts and your for you tab on Twitter is really good at showing you those accounts. Very much so. Yeah. Any, any account with us men's national team or MLS in it, I tend to ignore because you're right, Grayson. It just, it's exactly what they are. They just make little, quick little uh, edits and they, they push it out and, and they're just there for clicks. So you're hundred percent right. So Michael, a bigger question is just sort of stepping back is that this industry of talking about, you know, the silly season, it's big everywhere else in the soccer playing world, except the United States. Um, the people that cover the sport in this country by and large don't trade in a lot of these rumors. And why do you think that is like why in every other sport, the offseason is the joke that the NFL and the NBA offseason are more interesting than the actual season themselves. Mm-hmm. Is it just that we're too new of a soccer playing nation to really get into this? Or is this a missed opportunity for the league to not encourage a little more of this silly season dialogue? I think it's a double-edged sword. I think soccer in this country is growing at a, at a pace that eventually I think it's going to pass up hockey. And I think baseball is in real trouble. However, MLS has not made it easy to follow the transaction and the NFL and NBA. It's fairly simple. Now the NBA has some things like bird rights and, and uh, trade exceptions, things that fans really don't get, but the NBA also doesn't publicize them in trades or publicize them in deals. You don't hear that a player signed a two-year bird rights deal with his team. It's just he signed a two-year $8 million deal. MLS, the rules are so defunct and so ridiculous that it's, first of all, hard to hard to follow. Secondly, clubs can't go out and spend whatever they want. So then you're having to really look at guys that are, and I'm not trying to shit on the league or the player, but average soccer players at best. Um, guys that are high risk, high reward guys that are low risk, low reward. You're not getting the splashy guys. You're not getting the Mbappe's that are $200 million, $300 million. You're not getting Jordan Henderson. That's $40 million. So the, the, the talent of player is lower compared to the rest of the world. So I think a lot of people just kind of ignore the transfer season here. And it's also hard to track because MLS is so secretive about paperwork, about who in their league is, is going after. I mean, the EPL literally runs to Sky Sports and Fabrizio as soon as there's a rumor that's validated. It could be a week before the, the deal's even done, but everyone already knows about it. 
MLS doesn't like that. MLS wants everything secretive until the day of announcement. I, I think they're doing a disservice to the fans, and I think they're doing a disservice to the clubs and the league by doing that. But again, I think it's just – it's a combination of – the rules are so ridiculous that it's hard to follow. And also clubs are, are kind of limited on what they can do even more than a normal salary cap league. So it's hard for fans to really get into the fact that a team just signed a six who's worth 200 K on the market. And he might play a couple of games. There's not those big splat, like the, you can't FC Cincinnati couldn't finish third from the bottom this year and then turn around and go spend $200 million in free agency to get better. So it's, it's hard for fans to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I've always felt like the teams at the very least should be feeding this information to their outlets. Like there, it makes no sense why Pat Brennan shouldn't be breaking your next DP deal that Laurel shouldn't be the one actually breaking your next big signing. And yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be self self-serving and, and stick my hand out. Throw throw some fan outlets uh, a bone here. Maybe you do pick up someone's rights in a secondary re-entry draft. All right. Like you can, you can let people know these things. We don't, rank for dp but like a special <laughs> discover a college discovery right scoop we'll take oh, that yeah come on now uh, an fcc two, you know write a first refusal deal like come on that's our that's our wheelhouse baby i'll take that uh, all day <laughs> yeah same thing kevin like i approached a couple people like you guys don't leak anything like i'll be the one who leaks it like self-serving like you said like i'll leak it i don't care just the fans need and it, you know it's funny like i've had several conversations with people in the past why are fans why are fans so upset? Why, why are they so pessimistic? Why are they this? Why are they that? And I said, well, you're doing all these things behind closed doors. You're not telling them anything. Yep. And it's super frustrating. People are frustrated. We won three straight spoons at this point when I've had this conversation. And yeah, you're doing all these things behind closed doors, but it's taking months to get done and you're not telling anyone and you're not leaking it. You're not leaking it to Tom. You're not leaking it to Matt Doyle or anybody. You're, and I said, I'll do it. Like just you, the fans need something. Because they need something to look forward to, even in even a shield winning team. Yep. We've all I've been guilty of it. I'm still guilty of it. I don't think it's been a great window to this point. They have are some you including that, when you when you in that opinion? I just want to be clear. Are you including trialist and new trialist? New trialist. <laughs> trialist part two. <laughs> uh, yes, actually. So I think it's still an incomplete roster. I know that people are penciling new trialists in at right wing back. I don't know how feasible that is because essentially he'd have to be an inverted wing back. And from what I know from coaching, and again, I'm not saying I'm a professional coach. I'm not Pat. Noonan. I'll never be Pat. Noonan. Um, I don't know how feasibly that can work because when I think of an inverted winger, I, I think of him playing with a false nine, but he's going to be playing with two strikers and a 10. So if he inverts, he's taking up Lucho's space. He's going to be running into the back of Baird. So they're going to be super easy to mark and also super predictable. Yes. Is his weak foot better than Barrios? Yes. I've seen enough. I've, I've not watched trials number two full match highlights just yet. It's just, they're hard to get their hand, your hands on, but I've watched enough to know that his weak foot is better than Barrios, but it's not good enough for consistent service. So are you banking on service that's good 30% of the time and then he can invert sometimes and then you have to rework the kind of the tactics? 
personally, I think he's better suited as the drop-in striker, like Brenner was. Uh, he's very creative. He's a little slight. Um, he's probably thinner than Barrial is. He's a great passer. He's left-footed. He can hit from 20, 25 yards out. He reminds me a little bit of the stuff Brenner could do. And for all of the hate Brenner got, and I'm a Brenner defender, and you guys know this about me, his offense was never better than when Brenner was on top of his game. And I think last year was, I think we won the shield in spite of the offense. I think the offense at times looked stagnant. It looked a little confused. It, it needed too many special moments from Lucho, who provided them. But I think, I think the offense needs a Corey Baird or a trialist number two, new trialist number two, to play that drop-in striker role. They were the best when they had a striker who was able to drop in and combine with Lucho and give Lucho that space to create for the other striker, make the off-the-ball runs, and then kind of allow the wingbacks to do whatever they wanted. The new trialist, putting him a right wing back, concerns me. He is better defensively on paper than Barrial is. He's a very good presser of the ball. He, he commits himself defensively. He's a good 1v1 defender. It's just all about the inverted thing. I can live with if you're going to play him there until Barrial leaves and then he moves to the left. But I still would like to see... I think this team is at their best if they can move the new trialist to striker next to Bupenza, bring Barrett off the bench, and go sign you a true right wing back. Someone like a Santiarius. It's a shame he didn't come back. I think he felt a little disrespected. You can't want a million dollars coming off the amount of injuries he had still. So it sucks losing him, but I still think it's a very incomplete window. Yeah. yeah. I, so trialist number two, for we're not confirming that he's in the team. So like we're not breaking news here, right? <laughs> but just so people know, the person we're talking about is Luca Oriano. And we're certainly not um, confirming that he's doing anything that would be violating international immigration law by never. You know, never. Right. Same with right. trial trialist one. No. I no, nothing uh, there either. <laughs> but, but just just, you know, like like I'm I'm not very smart, so I assume our listeners aren't very smart and I get confused with trialist one and trialist two. So um so Oriano, I have kind of the same concerns that Travis expressed in particular, like I would love to slot him in at wing back because I think that's where we have the, at least right now with the team, the most opportunity to improve. So you get a, you get a new signing and you're like, Oh, that'd be great. Right. That's our, yep. that's our new starting wing back. Um, and, uh, uh, he does seem like a guy who you could see fitting in at different spots, mm -hmm. but the, but being an inverted right wing back, Okay, but he's going to occupy like all the same spaces as Lucho and the and the strikers, right? Yep. Um, and it's not like Obi is going to go like run the channel and provide width no, instead I mean, of him. Yeah, I, I think the, so, the name of the game is going to be positional flexibility and formational right. flexibility this yep. year. I think that like last year, the, they played the way they did because they had the players they did. And it kind of bit them down the stretch when they really didn't have they didn't have another club in the bag. They didn't have, you know, a lefty they could bring out of the bullpen to challenge the lineup. And this year, the way they're building this team, I'm not thrilled with how they've replaced the wingbacks specifically. I think part of that is 
I think that they were in limbo over Barial. Will he? Won't he? Will we get that infusion of cash to go shopping? I don't know that that's the case. But what they're doing is that I do like is that they are they are building a team that has options and yeah. they're going to need that down this I think they hopefully learned that they need that going down the stretch that it's not enough to just have Sergio Santos coming off the bench you need to have an option like a Corey Baird where you can throw multiple goal scorers up at the top of the the top of the formation and have at it or maybe you play occasionally with with wingers instead of wingbacks and you go to a more traditional four four three setup. I don't know, but like I like the fact they're bringing four four three is do, too many players. Well, four four two. Sorry, um, <laughs> we should try a four four three. I know that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, 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 you can pull it off. Let's go. <laughs> right. This is like my idea to just insert Messi with the Apple Vision goggles. You put an extra player on the field, just give everybody goggles to watch. It'd be great. Yeah. But I like the idea that there's some you know flexibility. I think that'll make for a more fun, if not uh, you know more interesting season this year. Look, I, I think the plan for them ideally is eventually going to be moving to a four-back system. I think they would like to do it sooner rather than later. They're not going to force it. Chris is not going to force anything. He's never forced anything. It's never going to be something he does. Um, they're, they're two fullbacks away from doing that. Trialist number one concerns me in the midfield. Defensively, he's not the strongest. He's more of another number 10. So to me, that potential signing along with trialist number two's potential signing. It would be super interesting to see when they, when, and if they do sell Barrial, the, the type of left back they go after the two left backs. They went after one's public with Palacios and the other one. I don't know if you guys want to talk about, but it's kind of, you know, private, but the two that they went after, can play the left back role. They, I would say Palacios is more of a better wing back than the other option would have been, but they were both left back options. Um, I, I think right back as well. They were looking a little bit as a four back system. I think, I don't think they're going to play narrow. I don't think that's ever going to be something Pat likes to do is play as narrow as union. I think what makes this team special and what makes Lucho special is is spreading the field and giving him that space in the middle of the field. I don't think they want to uh, constrict that of him. I do think eventually we're looking at a back four. Is it going to happen this year? At times, yes. I, I agree, Chief. I think being able to go to that now is is a lot better than, than just essentially no matter who you have, no matter who's healthy or who's tired or who needs a break, you're running a three, four, one, two. And that just is what it is because we don't have the options off the bench to be versatile enough. Now they can be versatile enough. Yeah. I think we have the players situationally, but not as like a go-to by any means. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. They can, they can get away with a four, four, two or a four, three, three. If, you know, if they get a striker who's picks up a knock and then also they pick up a knock in the center back and then they can kind of look at Ian Murphy did okay at his time. He's played fullback a bit for the club at wingback. He did okay there. It's not his strength. If you ask him, he'd probably admit it like, hey, I'd rather be at center back, but he can play some left back. So, yes, there in I would not say emergency situations. It's probably a bad way to put it. I, I would say in certain situations, they can 100 percent get away with doing like a four, three, three or a four, four, two. Yeah, no, I, I do think the the <clears throat> the flexibility this season is going to be maybe the most interesting thing to watch, especially with uh, 
Champions Cup coming up and, and things like that, there's certainly going to be the opportunity uh, to uh, to have some flexibility there and, and try out some new looks. Uh, but no, Travis, you've been incredibly generous with your time here. Uh, before we get you out of here, I, I do got to ask you, you haven't been tweeting as much. You haven't been on the podcast as much. Uh, where have you been spending your time? And tell us a little bit more about this team you've been coaching. So I, I, I've been coaching two U13, well, not our U13, uh, travel soccer teams, girls. Um, I took them over about two years ago, about the time I kind of had to step away from the podcast and stop tweeting so much. And, and it's something I thoroughly enjoy, um, building a relationship with, with the kids and with the parents while developing their talents and looking at their futures in the game or outside the game. Uh, it's been awesome. It's been something that has not all, it, it's just grown my passion for the game that much more working at a grassroots youth level makes you appreciate the game. Um, you know, the, the blood, sweat and tears it takes to reach the level of guys on FC Cincinnati or, or the, the women that play for the women's national team, or, you know, it, it, it makes you appreciate the game more. It takes pressure off watching almost. It's weird how uh, you just watch the game differently. It's, I, I tell my wife and I, I've told my daughter this, who I coach outside of being married and having kids, it's the single most rewarding thing I've ever done um, to take a team from, you know, two years ago, we were kind of a bunch of players that were getting blown out all the time. to now we're winning leagues and winning t- tournaments and, and state leagues. So it's been super fun. It's been super rewarding uh, personally, professionally, I hope to keep growing within the coaching ranks in the game and you never know where it will take me, but I don't think that's why I'm in it. So it's been awesome. It's been really awesome. I coach at Culping SC. Um, We're a club partner of FC Cincinnati. It's really cool working side by side with FCC. They're, they're super generous with their time and been on some zoom calls with Corbin bone who kind of runs that side of the club. Now he's doing a great, he's doing a great job. Um, it's been a distinct turnaround from previous years. I think a lot of that is due to him. He's been awesome. Uh, so I've been, you know, I've had a chance to meet Paul Rogers and been out to the goalkeepers camp and met some other coaches. And it's awesome how FC Cincinnati has finally bridged that gap between the youth club in the area and the professional club and FCC two and the Academy that kind of, you know, for a long time, these kids thought it was so, so far away. They couldn't touch it. Now, you're starting to see kids from the local area become members of the, the academy and go out there for training sessions and things like that. So uh, shout out to Corbin. Um, he's doing a wonderful job. I, I have nothing but great things to say about him and how he's handling his, uh, his new position. That's oh, pretty that's cool. Awesome. That, like all these, like you get a former player like that, that's like still involved in the club and, you know, a name that most people listening will remember. And it's, it's cool that, that the club or players are getting involved to do that as well. The question I got to ask you then is, okay, um, the NWSL or the women's game in Cincinnati. Do you think that's happening soon? And would you be a fan of that happening? I don't want to be uh, a naysayer or a pessimist. I don't think it's happening soon. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I, I think certain, I think certain people have their eyes on other things. And I think the NWSL just, these are just the things I've heard. I, I can't, say with hundred percent, I think they're asking too much of Cincinnati and FC Cincinnati ownership and the infrastructure around the club. I think they're asking more of that infrastructure than they have other infrastructures of other cities and other clubs. 
And I think it's been not, I don't, I, probably the wrong phrase. It's been a turnoff. I think it's, it's probably the wrong way to put it, but I think that's where we're at currently. Do I think I end up seeing one here? Yes. If soon means in the next year or two, I don't think so. I, I think there's some things that still need to be done in that area. I would absolutely, I've taken, well, I've not taken, but I've gone with a couple of my players and their parents to like women's national team games. NWSL here would, would be amazing. The girls love watching women play the sport. Yes. They love FC Cincinnati. They all love FC Cincinnati. Um, but just from my experience on my team, I, I think they love the women's team even more. It's just, it's that role model thing. It's, it's the, I can go watch someone just like me who played club travel ball, just like me playing a game that I love. Yes. Awesome. Again. Yeah. They, they love watching FCC, but there was something special about it was, um, and her name's going to elude me and I'm an idiot. Julie Ertz's last match. Um, I went with a couple of parents, like I said, in the, in the girls, a couple of girls, including my daughter. And the way they lit up was completely different than when we went to the union match and got to walk on the field with the union. It was just a different experience. They weren't chit chatty so much as they were just enjoying the game and watching and, and being students of the game and, and really taking pride in that. So yes, I a hundred percent think that I would love a women's team here. I think it's needed. I think it'll explode here. Women's soccer in the city has always been, a huge part of, of the national brand for women. Uh, so I, I think it'll do super successfully here. I just hope that some of the political things kind of get put aside that I've heard again, can't substantiate a hundred percent. It's just some kind of tea leaves that I've heard. I, I hope that stuff is put to the side and the, and NWSL kind of opens their eyes a little bit and a club ends up here. To be clear, you mean like political in the sense of like personal relationships, personal personalities and things a little bit. Yeah. I, I, not political in the, in the sense of, you know, what we think of as politics and right. yeah, U S yeah, yeah. government, but more like some uh, personalities clashing. And, and again, I think the league is asking things of FCC and their <clears> infrastructure <throat> that they haven't asked other cities uh, not to repeat myself, but I think they're being a little bit unrealistic in their expectations and what they want from FCC infrastructure. Again, just to reiterate, just some things that I've heard. Hopefully they put those things to the side and just realize that it's, it's great for the league and it's great for the city and great for the club. Um, I know, I don't know that it's still there. I was just at the training facility for the goalkeeper camp not long ago. There is, there was an unfinished portion of Mercy Health training center that was just awaiting the word for a women's team. I don't know that's still the case. I hope it is. I hope FCC is still planning on, really driving that home and trying to get that going. Yeah. Be awesome. It'd be good for right. the league, be good for the sport. It would be just good. It would be good to have a professional women's team in the state of Ohio. I don't think one exists at any one of the levels. We don't have a WNBA team. I don't think we have any of the new women's hockey league. It'd be good nope. to be the first team that like there was a women's team in Ohio. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And especially the area and the sport, it would just be a per it's too perfect of a fit to screw up at this point. All right, so Travis, before you go, I have one last mm -hmm. question. Okay. If if you could wish cast any player within reason, so like not like Neymar, right? But you've talked about some dissatisfaction with the transfer window. If you could wish cast a like reasonable addition to FC Cincinnati's window to make you feel better about it, 
Who would it be? You got. I, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Didn't prep you on this, so no, it's fine. It's fine. Um. Oh boy, one, just one. I only get one, and they can, they can um, be on another team too. So if you like somebody who's not technically available but would fit the roster, that's fine as well. But I'll, if you want to put more than one, that's also good. I'll go. Um, oh, Kinona's at striker would be wonderful uh but i think that's a little bit uh a little bit outlandish i'll go this is a name that got brought up last year a little bit i I lobbied for him here it didn't work out because baby mama drama and and new baby and family things and augustin almendra uh we we've spent a lot of time as a club down in argentina he's a really good number eight I think he's just caught himself in some bad situations professionally. I would really love to see him here just because he is the prototypical eight that I I would say FCC hasn't had yet. Moreno's not really a number eight. Moreno's a six who can go forward, but isn't really your sideline to sideline guy. Almendra fits that perfectly. Almendra is a creative eight who's good at ball winning. He has the pace go sideline to sideline and would really free up someone like Obi to just be the sixth destroyer and Lucho to be as creative as he possibly can be at the 10 without worrying about anything behind him. Um, I don't know. It, I'm not going to say it's going to happen. It, it would be the most realistic out of the ones that I'm thinking of in the back of my head. Yes, I would love Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, right wing back. Yeah. I don't know that that's going to work. Hakimi would be great there, but I don't think that's going to work. Uh, Julian Canona, as like I said, at striker would be just, that'd be great. And I think that's not, that's not like crazy, but uh, <laughs> give me Almendra. Give me uh, his nickname is the Almond, which is just, I don't even know why he's called the Almond, but yeah, Almendra for sure. Give me a prediction for the season. Where are we in? Where do we end up this year? We're in the, we're in the closing stages of the preseason right now, as it were. I will make this, I'm going to put a qualifier in because this is what I did last year with the eight line. I, I guess second. I was glad to be wrong. If they do not add a right wing back and we see trialist number one or number two there, I'll go fifth. I think it's going to be harvest schedule congestion. If they can add a true right wing back, I think you're looking at second or third. And I, and I'm, I hate that I'm about to say this. The crew are going to be really hard to beat. They're going to, they're going to be super hard. They're defensively. They're not very good. But they're they're going to be a threat to score five or six goals at each match. They're just they're overwhelmingly good offensively, and they just added to it over the off season. So I, I think you're probably looking at Crew Union, Orlando City looks really good right now. If the roster stays still, which it will not, because they have to add one more to be roster compliant. Wink, wink. We're looking at third if they can get a right wing back. All right, I'll take I'll take third. Yeah, the crew can the crew can punch themselves out trying to win the supporters shield like we did last year, and we'll go yeah. poach them in the playoffs. I like this game plan. <laughs> deal, deal, deal. Oh my gosh! No, Travis, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was great. Um, I will put a link to I guess your your Twitter account uh, in the uh, the description of the uh, the the podcast. But where else could people find you? Uh, we can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, essentially anywhere you can get your hands on a podcast. You can listen to the UA Lion podcast. Uh, we're, we're 
ramping back up into it as a tr- silly season's getting uh, close to being into regular season. So uh, be looking for us on there. All right. Well, sounds good, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. All right, we are back. And again, huge thanks to Travis for coming on. Uh, originally told him we'd talk for 30 minutes, and we we blew right past that. So, no. Uh, As a very, tradition. I mean, have we ever gone short on anything? I don't think so. I think it's a good sign that we've rarely had a guest that said in the middle of an interview, guys, I got a dip. So, I don't know. I choose to believe that that means that we're at least not horridly boring to the people that we interview god i it is shocking that that has never happened we've gotten more people more people should (laughs) (laughs) also uh to lead this segment off kevin i fear that as is the case with us quite frequently Uh we may have undersold or not explained thoroughly what it is we're doing on february 22nd uh regarding our event at streetside brewing um Uh. We are actually having an event. This is not a joke. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> this is a real thing. <laughs> this is a real thing. Uh, February 22nd, Streetside Brewing. Come, there's going to be a live Q&A with the postcast. Uh, the three of us are all committed to being there. So it'll be a live thing. We may release it as part of a podcast. It may just be a, if you're there, you're there, and you get to experience it one time only. So yep. yeah, don't you... expect it to be released. Because yeah. remember, we're not doing extra content. We are not working harder. That is never and going to happen. And also, like, I don't know how. The, the logistics of actually <laughs> recording it will require somebody with more expertise. So. We are. We have <laughs> pledged to do a better job of actually thinking about sound quality than our last live show we did. <laughs> which really wasn't the postcast. That was just, you know, some characters showing up to talk talk a little shop. But there will be a Q&A. Um, we may have special appearances by a, a guest or two. Opie may or may not be there. And then we'll stick around with everybody and we're going to watch the CONCACAF Champions League match that starts off at nine o'clock FC Cincinnati versus Cavalier. So it's down at Streetside Brewing, our great new sponsor. Yes. Uh, Come down, hang out. Uh, RSVP on Facebook or don't if you're like one of them. If you don't want to have plans, just, you know, come (laughs) as you are. But you're watching the game. Yeah. We know you're watching the game. It's the season of watch it with us. You yeah. can't watch that by yourself. And also it's a Friday the next day, whatever. If you're working a, a hybrid model, you know, you're working from home. You, you don't have to work on Friday. That's everybody yeah. knows that. Um, so, yeah, no, come on down. Now, I will say uh, if nobody is there to ask us questions, which, you know, I'm, I'm planning for in the back pocket here. Uh, we do have quite a few questions submitted to us. On the Patreon, baby. Oh, That's right. This is a, this is a one-time dispensation. <laughs> if you are not a Patreon member, you will still be allowed to ask questions at this episode. That is true. This is your one your one freebie is at the event. Otherwise, you have to pay but us. If, if you can prove you're a Patreon <laughs> member, we will let you cut to the front of the line to ask questions. Oh, I, I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love finding ways to add perks that otherwise require no effort from us. That's very important here. Um no, we, we've got a good number of questions submitted on the Patreon. If you are a Patreon subscriber and you are a supporter, I don't know how I'm supposed to refer to you, uh, but if you do give us money and haven't posted a question, you're allowed to, so please post it, and we will we will try to answer it. I, I want to touch on a couple of here. Uh, my, my point, though, the 
if uh, if nobody shows up, I'm just going to read some of these questions off to nobody at an empty brewery. So yeah. that'll be fun. Uh, but if, nobody, what, if, if we don't have any questions, Kevin, just going to bring the book out. So I'd, I'm always within reach. All right. It's always within reach. <laughs> um, uh, we've got a, a good a good question here from uh, Christian Perez asks, do you guys think FCC will be able to make it to the 2025 FIFA Club World Cup? I ask I'm gonna you. Say, I'm going to say no. Mm. Um, I just think we touched on it a little bit with, with Travis in the interview. I don't think this roster is done right now. And I also think that they... We have trialist one and trialist two who are definitely not committing immigration violations as we speak, but it's going to take some, we, we learned this last year. It takes some time to get people integrated into the roster and to get things going. So I expect this team to have a slow start. Um, it's not, I don't think it's going to be like last year where they come out of the gate, shot out of a cannon. I don't think we lost our first game last year to what? 10 games in something like that 12 games in yeah i don't think that's going to be this year so analytically i don't expect them to win ccc and be part of the club world cup but you know what this is a fan podcast so fuck it yeah we're gonna be in there <laughs> uh grayson why don't you explain to folks what it would take to get us to appear in the yeah, 2025 actually, world Cup? so that is what that's exactly what i was going to talk about <laughs> okay so we'd have to win Obviously, the Champions League, which if you're a new listener, we still call it Champions League here. <laughs> yes. Because there's also a Campiones Cup, which is a different thing. And that bothers me. So I have <laughs> bullied my way into deciding this is how style to call it Champions League. Okay. Uh, you got to beat Cavalier. Not a big lift, but, you know, going down to the Caribbean yeah. has thrown teams off in the past. Especially if we're rotating. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, I will say, though, on paper, they are by far the weakest team in the tournament. Well, you know who's not the weakest team in the tournament? Our likely second round opponent, <laughs> CF Monterey. That's a pretty, pretty strong team in this tournament. Uh, Brandon Vasquez's new team. They are one of the big dogs in Mexico. A team that would be one of the odds-on favorites to win this whole thing and be in the Club World Cup next year. Um, could, can we beat them? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a big lift. Um, the next round will be either uh Nashville SC, okay, or Inter Miami. I don't like that. The team that the entire region, or at least the people that run the region, <laughs> really want to be in the 2025 Club World Cup. There's a lot riding on them being in this Club World and Cup really and not want us. Messi to be in the Club World Cup yeah, in 2025. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so we have to stop that from happening if we want to get there. Um, and then after that, we are going to have one of Columbus Crew, okay, Houston Dynamo, all right, St. Louis City, mm. Orlando City, or the team I think is probably going to be there, Tigres. Oh, Monterey's big rival in uh, Mexico, and another one of the teams that is going to be one of the favorites <laughs> to win this entire tournament. 
at the time of recording, I don't know if there's any games tonight after uh, we record this, Monterey and Tigres are first and third in the uh, table in Mexico right now, both undefeated with America sandwiched right in between them there. So if we somehow get past Monterey, Miami, <laughs> Tigres, probably going to play one of Chivas or I'll say Club America. You could see Philadelphia Union mm-hmm. um, also getting there. I don't think any of the other teams in that part of the bracket uh, have, a, have a real chance. But again, Chivas, we did beat them in TQL. Uh, pretty handily. Yeah, we would also have to go down there for one game, though. Um, Club America, another one. Yeah, very good team. <laughs> really good team. I mean, and you know, Philadelphia is always a tough game. Yeah, that's I think our best uh, hope is who <laughs> is who we play. Um, that is a murderer's row where you're hoping that you get an above-average MLS team in your way. Uh, the format of this tournament, if people aren't familiar, it is home and home, or if you're a college football fan, home and away every step of the way, I believe including the final. Um, so I don't. there's no neutral site final. Um, so that means you were going the on the tra- road. The final is a... The final is a single-legged match. Ooh, okay. Do is it a neutral I site? Where, okay. I don't know where it's played. Let's just go ahead and say Vegas. Um, because it's if it is a neutral site, it's Vegas. Or the Cotton uh, Bowl, for some strange reason, I'll bet. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. They might just Concacaf might just buy the or Cotton the, Bowl. Or, or like the Citrus Bowl. Or like the, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Orlando's old home, I believe, the Citrus yeah, Bowl. Camping World Stadium, I believe. <laughs> so... Yeah, that uh, that's gonna be hard. Like, sure, you might like like we saw in League's Cup, you might be able to beat Chivas here in Cincinnati one time, but to to go back on the road, that's that's where it gets tough. So dicey. It's certainly possible. I wouldn't bet on us. Uh, let me ask you guys this: uh, it's possible, yeah, but it is a situation where. Do I think we can beat on our day any of the teams in the bracket? Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to be one of the it's going to be a situation though where we're going to be the underdogs to half a dozen or more of <laughs> yeah. the teams and basically most of the teams that we're going to play after the first round. Yeah, yeah. it's it just turns into a math problem. Where this is one of those things where people have talked about this, you know, ad nauseum, so there's no sense rehashing it. You're just at a disadvantage with MLS roster rules when it comes to competing against these top teams in Mexico, which is why one of the best players on our team from the past two years is playing on one of those top teams in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll... I'll ask a follow-up question here, uh, but I'll, I'll add in another question we got here from uh, Titus uh, Plank is how I'm going to choose to pronounce this person's name. Hopefully I got that most of the way there. Uh, vibe check, how many trophies are we winning this year? He puts the over-under at one and a half. I'll give you another question you can answer. If the only trophy we win this year is CONCACAF Champions League, are you happy with the season? 
I'll go no. to you first, Chief. I knew you're MLS Cup or bust. I'm I MLS Cup or bust right now. That is just the way it is. It's the, the it is the most important trophy this club can win. They need to win MLS Cup, and then we can start talking about literally anything else. But it's but if you MLS had to Cup, bet over or under one and a half trophies, where under, you it's just so hard winning the double. It's the the reason why. Like winning the double is a is a thing is because it's really, really hard to do. We learned that last year. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Um Noonan's gotta show that he's better at winning these elimination games. He's not good at it so thus far. Like he he has struggled in pressure games. The team has struggled in pressure games. So I'd love to be wrong on that, but like I think. I think realistically going into a season, expecting your team to win more than one trophy, especially with MLS salary constraints being what they are and fixture congestion being what they are. I think that's a tall order. I especially think it's even tall order because we really don't know to what degree we're competing for the U.S. Open Cup or what anyone's doing on that. So realistically, (laughs) this year, (laughs) you may be looking at your only options being CONCACAF Champions League, MLS Cup and Leagues Cup. Like. There may only be those options available to you. And the supporter shield, I'll just throw it out there. Is this the thing we could win? Yeah. (laughs) I think one. I think one is a realistic target for this year. Otherwise, you're you're really setting yourself up for disappointment, I think. Grace and same questions to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still taking the under as well because of how hard it is. Um, but on the second question. So I think so the reason Chief is so fixated on MLS Cup is it's because like you get the star over the shield and also it's how um it's Columbus's main claim to like bragging rights right over us but if we win the Champions League like only one other MLS team has done that in the current uh, era of the of the Champions League competition, and so I think if I think if you win the Champions League, you have to call that a successful year. Um, will I be happy with Champions League and nothing else? I don't know. I would love to know that answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, try me. <laughs> but uh, it's very hard to win more than one trophy. Um, I will say if if our only trophy is like League's Cup. That would feel like a little bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. Um, How many trophies could we win? Can you I come up with a combination be, of multiple I, trophies where you're sad? <laughs> <laughs> so it, for, it would be like Shield and League's Cup, right? <laughs> League's Cup and Open Cup would be Whoa. the ultimate. Just sort of like, <laughs> I will say this. Cool, but. <laughs> I'll say this. It would be incredible to play in a final this year. And to, you know, host a final. Yeah. Which we would have a good shot of doing, a really good shot of doing in League's Cup. Um, I think only one team would have hosting priorities over us. Um, although I think they've not quite announced what they're doing for the final. Or even what that would look um, like. It could potentially still be Cincinnati, yeah, depending on right, how they it do be. it. Um, Because they said America has um, hosting priority only through the semifinal. 
but like based on their oh, format, weird. Okay, based on their format, America should have hosting priority over everybody. Yeah. Um, but maybe they're keeping it open in case they want to do like a Vegas neutral site or they want to make sure an MLS team gets to host. I don't know. But regardless, um, you know, we can say like it's MLS cup or bust or whatever, but like if we are hosting a cup final for anything, that would be awesome. Yeah, it'd be awesome. The only problem is, is that like the the CONCACAF Champions League, it wrecks teams in MLS that make deep runs. I mean, it is just the travel, the extra matches really early in the season as players are still working into form. LAFC got rocked last year in their run of games post CONCACAF Champions League. Took them out of consideration for the supporter shield for how but poorly they played. Where did they end up at the end of the year? Losing MLS Cup, losing final. MLS Cup, and I'm that is the disaster. A cup final, <laughs> but losing, but like losing Champions League final and losing MLS Cup final, and they lost Campione's Cup. <laughs> that's a that's not a great tough. Time. That's tough. Um, which is to say that if you're going to make a deep run in Concacaf, you better win it. Because you may end up with the worst of all worlds, which is just a lot of Amex miles and a lot of tired legs. Especially if you don't get to host at least a leg. That's exciting. But yeah, if you're just going to go lose. Doesn't it it feel like we were robbed of a final last year? Like it felt like this city would have dumbed out for a final. Like just straight nonsense, drunken mayhem at TQL Stadium. And we had multiple shots to do it last year. It felt like last year needed a final at TQL. I'm, I'm, I am sad for us as a fan base. We didn't get that last year. I don't know it'll be the same this year. It's, I don't know. Like last year felt like a year. Is that Open Cup semifinal, man? That's that's gonna haunt me. Might have been the last opportunity to win an Open Cup in it for MLS, depending <laughs> on how they. I yeah. Don't know. Uh, just they haven't cleared that up, right? Like that's still just like an unanswered question hanging out there. I don't. Yeah, know. I'm sure we'll get clarity on that. Yeah, someday. Uh, last question for us uh, is from Drew. It is, what is your favorite FC Cincinnati jersey? Why? How would you improve it? I don't know if you're improving your favorite one, but Chief, do you have a? Are you partial to one in particular out there? Um, I really, really like the first year USL away jerseys, just the white with the orange stripe right across Mm. the middle. Like that's just a, it's a clean, cool, interesting look. I like that a lot. I'm not a fan. I like the, the orange kits currently with like the, the, the city flag subtly on the top those are really really sweet i'm gonna be sad those are gone i don't know i I know what the answer isn't the answer isn't whatever that asymmetrical awful nonsense was that we had (laughs) i believe that was called the bold wow it was boldly shit is what it was (laughs) and i think you could buy those for 15 bucks as recently as like a year ago on mlssoccer.com sir 
I bought mine for $7, a proper, authentic large for $7 from Fanatics. So. Just just absolute horse shit. <laughs> seven bucks, though. It's worth seven bucks. <laughs> whatever, whatever, your, whatever your answer is in this space, I will say this. I hate, hate, hate with the passion burning of a thousand goddamn sons the fact that they treat this shit like it's the secret to cold fusion and that, God forbid that we reveal this before the public is truly ready for it. The idea that these kits, these kits are designed years in advance and we have to wait until what? Like literally a week and a half before the season starts, before they unveil what the new kit looks like. Can you imagine this shit in any well-run league? Can you imagine the NFL the saying, NFL no, doing this? we're not going to tell you what the jersey looks like until a week <laughs> after training camp ends. What a crock of shit. Play the entire preseason in the old kit. Yeah, and then you know what? Oh, we have all these plans that, <laughs> oh, you're going to, we're going to have this big jersey reveal on the 16th of February or the 12th of February, whatever the hell it is. And it all gets leaked on EA Sports FC iOS version, and you can see what the new kit looks like. And it's like, yeah, you had all these great plans and some swag reveal. That's cool. But we can't talk about this thing and it gets leaked anyway. Just come on. Chief, I am so glad you brought this up. Uh, Going up very soon on the YouTube channel is a, a rant of mine. A video of mine. It's it's largely a rant. Uh, almost beat for beat for exactly what you just said, but with the added bonus that it is not just a video, I am wearing my bold kit in it. So <laughs> <laughs> everything you ever wanted. Uh, Grayson, do you have a, a favorite kit? Uh, I mean, kind of. Um, I'll be honest, like every time a new kit comes out, I think people get real excited and I'm glad that they get real excited about it. Everyone's got real strong opinions about like this or that feature (laughs) or they know all types of like fashion design terms and stuff. Uh, I just can't, I just can't get up for it, you know? So like it comes out, I'm like, yeah, I like that or no, I don't like that very much. Um, I'm the exact same way. <laughs> I like the I like I like the orange one with the flag with the city flag. Um, yeah. I think maybe they could have like done a little bit more of the silver outlining and made some some of the elements just pop a little bit more. Yeah, so that it doesn't look like a flat orange shirt. Yeah, from a distance. But like, I like it. I wear it to. It's what I wore to most of the games last year. It's what I anticipate I'll be wearing to most of the games this year. Uh, so, yeah, give me that. Yeah, I'm just an American <laughs> give me that sport. orange. I'm an American sports fan at heart. I love soccer, but like I'm cool with a team keeping jerseys for, you know, five, ten yep. years. I would be very cool. Very, very cool. If FC Cincinnati had kept that orange jersey as their away for a decade. I'm, I don't need I don't need the uniforms to switch up all the time i think that the plan if it were me running mls i would take some time and let and get every team a distinctive home and a distinctive away jersey do away with this template shit and like really invest in having a couple of cool jerseys for each team a couple of cool kits and then rotate the third kit every year or every other year like they do now and then, okay, you mix some different colors in. Maybe those are more of the template kits so that they're being designed on a different cycle. I, I'm Let yeah. some of these teams have an iconic look 
Like that was what things were like back in the day when everybody fell in love with all these Euro clubs. They all had looks that became distinctive and then played off that as they started to try to cash in with more money for jerseys. I don't know. Yeah. What if they added like another element though? Like every player, every time a player did like something cool, they got a little like Gary sticker, (laughs) a little little Buckeye, a little Buckeye sticker on their, their shorts. (laughs) Lucha just has like, you know, like little nut logos all over his, every time he nutmegs somebody. I always love when the like fourth string punter, comes in for Ohio State and his helmet is just fucking covered in stickers. You're like, what is have, this? What has this guy done? <laughs> so every time they got to get a, uh, so like, you make a video of Lucho like grating nutmeg into his like hand <laughs> and then doing like the salt based sprinkle <laughs> of nutmeg over like a dulce de leche or like a flan or something and you just play that clip in the stadium when lucho pulls off a nutmeg <laughs> i that would that would be incredible stuff or just do the sound drop of the dude from Mortal Kombat 2 screaming toasty at the top of his lungs every time he blows by somebody. There should be a beverage you can get at TQL Stadium that has nutmeg on it that's like Lucho Acosta themed. They're missing out on oh, a yeah, massive for sure. marketing Easy. opportunity for this. There's a, there's a bunch of tiki drinks that have a, a nutmeg finish on top. So you can, you can keep it fruity in summary. It'll work. Um, to answer the question, and this is a good one, I think, for anybody who maybe became a fan in the MLS era, uh, I'll, I'll go back to the USL days and say the orange top is the one you want to be a fan of. So if people don't know, year one, FC Cincinnati wore essentially a variant of the U.S. men's national team's bomb pop jersey. Uh, it is blue on top with a white band and orange on the bottom panel. However, they accidentally made something like 400 of these shirts with orange tops, white banner, blue on the bottom. These are hard to find, and you will occasionally see them pop up on eBay. And if somebody knows what they have, it should be going for $250 plus, okay? I have seen with my own eyes people offer to buy orange top jerseys off of people in the stadium cash in hand right then and there for a hundred dollars or more it was not taken up so that is that is the best jersey it is a rare one it is the orange top when was the last time you bought something off ebay that's like very does anyone use ebay still you know who probably uses ebay a lot your father (laughs) your father uh people who buy car parts apparently like all car parts are still purchased on ebay that's that's a big one there so the a fc cincinnati 2016 jersey i'm just i got onto ebay the first time i've opened this app and probably ever 369 dollars for a straight blue white and orange bomb top kit bomb pop kit but is it an orange top no, it's a blue top. Oh, blue top. It's a lot of money for what was essentially a Nike template right out of right? the box. <laughs> There's also a, a white year one away kit, $190. So mm. all y'all that are OG fans of this team, you might have some uh, some cash just sitting there in the closet. 
Yeah. But yeah, if you see somebody wearing an orange top to a game, dap them up. Like, they, they know what they're doing. They're flexing on you. You don't even know it. It's good stuff. Wow. The uh, USL diamond white jersey. Oh, yeah. $374. I don't get the sense anyone's paying for this for any of these. This is just. I mean, you got you to gotta stick your hand out. Somebody, see what happens. Somebody's wife said you had too many jerseys. You need to sell some of these. <laughs> oh, and babe, the guy just going. listed them. Nobody, nobody's buying them. Sorry. You want me to just throw them away? You want me to just end up in a landfill? This is worth $300. This is our college, is our college fund. <laughs> That person is sitting on 25 of those jerseys. Right. <laughs> uh, Chief, uh, that's going to do it, I think, for the postcast. Uh, we will obviously answer more questions throughout the month and potentially at the live show. So please come on out, support us. Uh, if you want to ask a question to us that we will answer at some point on the podcast, pay us two bucks. That's all we ask. And uh, you can support us on Patreon. Otherwise, Chief, get us out of here. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Thank you so much for listening to the Cincy Postcast, a production of The Post Cincy. You can go to thepostcincy with a y.com where you can find all of our written work. You can find links to our video stuff on YouTube. You can also find links to the various social media platforms that we are posting just about every single day, so long as somebody remembers the login information to Facebook, right? Uh, we also want to give a huge, huge, huge thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon who are supporting us financially. It has made a huge difference in what we're able to accomplish here, and I am incredibly thankful to each and every person who has decided to send us their hard-earned cash in supporting this show. I also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers, a fantastic local Cincinnati band for providing all of the music you hear throughout all of the episodes of the Cincy Postcast. And I want to plug our Discord server. Look, if you love FC Cincinnati or just want to talk Cincinnati, Cincinnati sports or anything soccer related, check out our Discord server. There are a ton of people on there having really great conversations all throughout the day, every day. It's a really great place to sort of stay engaged with the FC Cincinnati fan base. So again, thank you to everyone who listened. And if you find it within your heart of hearts to give us a nice rating, a nice review on the podcast app of your choice, that would really help us be seen by other FC Cincinnati fans, other soccer fans in Cincinnati. But above all else, Give a nice personal recommendation to somebody that you think would enjoy this podcast. That is really what has helped make this podcast spread as far as it has. And I am just incredibly, incredibly thankful to each and every one of you that listen. So thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed this.